Hey, I'm adding this to the podcast. There's a part in this podcast where I bring up a moment in the Black Widow movie where General Ross is talking to Black Widow and he says, you know, you you broke the Sokovia Accords and you attacked the King of Wakanda. Now, I wondered, like, how did he know about that? You know, and so anyway, getting into this whole discussion about it. And since then, I've been told that in Civil War, Tony tells Natasha that T'Challa told Ross that she attacked him. So that answers that question. I've lived a lot of lives. I've made a lot of enemies. Who the hell is that guy? He's called Science Taskmaster. He controls a whole army of widows. We have to end this together. Back together again. I just think I'm fine. She's such a woman. What is the plan? We only had time to plan this far. What? Studios Black Widow. Ready PG 13. Tickets and pre-orders available now. Experience it July 9th. Episode 388. It's a trap. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. And, Jake, this week, after, like, how many months? 14 months of uh, of waiting for this movie to come out from its original date, we're finally getting to review Black Widow. It felt so surreal even driving to go see it. <laughs> dude, 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 dude. Real quick before I introduce our guests. I fucking, like, when they started it and I heard, like, the Marvel music and the Marvel logo was spinning, I got chills. In I was seeing it in IMAX and I got chills. And I got emotional, dude. I almost fucking felt like I was going to break down and cry. I was just like, holy shit, we fucking made it. It's here. We have fucking made it. It was the way I understand there's people that are watching it at home, and I'm not trying to slight them at all. I think, like, if they're still worried about going out and whatever, you know, I I get it. Or if it's just expensive and it's cheaper to have all the family there at home and watch it and everything, I totally get it, man. But I don't think that I would have had that kind of, like, experience had I watched it at home, dude. It was, I don't know about you, but I fucking got chills and I just was like, I was nearly in tears. I was so fucking excited. 
No, I had the complete ex- same experience. As soon as that Marvel music hit on the big screen, I got literal goosebumps on my arm. Yeah. It was just there's just something about it. It's yeah. been way too long, and I'm, I'm excited to be going to do it four times this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, we are joined. We are not alone. We are joined by Joe Stark from StarkCast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Tone it down that time. <laughs> Even if you try to tone it down, it's not really toned down. No, no. I'll try and channel my inner Eeyore next time. It's really not a problem. Hey, it's, it's, it's not a problem, Jeff. <laughs> we enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I want to welcome back Ashley DeRiver to the podcast. Welcome back, Ashley. Hey! Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be as cool trying to be as cool as uh, no just uh i'll be i'll be like more like april hey and we also have from happy days henry winkler hey hey, hey. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no we have uh we have uh joining us from new zealand k hottie uh welcome k hello thank you for having me again <laughs> absolutely k uh, interestingly enough, uh, you worked on this movie, is that correct? I do have a screen credit, yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. That wow. is so cool. Kay, I'm fangirling. Uh, that is incredible. People that, that, that aren't familiar with you or what you do, uh, could you tell the listeners what you do and, and, and then tell everybody how you found PCL? I am a rotoscope artist at Wetter Digital, and I found PCL because I was looking for fan theories on Endgame because I knew the ending and I wanted to see how close everyone was getting. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a That's Avengers really Endgame spoiler episode before the movie came out in which we went over like basically all the spoilers that had been kind of like thrown out there on 4chan and Reddit. And that's that's the first time that you heard us. And now you're on an episode, Kay. Yes, now I am. You've been on I multiple feel like episodes. I have achieved the uh, the right amount level of fame. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's not enough to actually have a, like a screen credit in the movie. <laughs> I am on PCL as well. Oh, I know. All worthwhile. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you. Cherry on top. We came last. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the pinnacle of success. Is that what you guys yes. say or what? It's like, true. It's true. That's what Clive says. Um, first off, before we get into the review, I think I have to say um, rest in peace to Richard Donner, who made one of my favorite superhero films ever put on screen in Superman. So, um, I just kind of want to start off the episode just saying rest in peace, Richard Donner. It's like that movie. Um, it's, uh, it came out the same year I was born and it's just been with me my entire life. And it, to this day is one of the best, uh, superhero movie, uh, superhero movies ever made. And I, I was, you know, I was watching it the other night. Um, I, I saw black widow in IMAX, uh, on opening night, came back home and just felt like the need to watch, watch Superman, which I did. And I was just thinking of like the lightning in a bottle that they created, uh, when they filmed that of just that cast, like Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman and, you know, the, the, and the director Richard Donner, like just lightning in a bottle was captured 
when they made that movie. And and then the the new technology that they used with like the mirrors to make Superman look like he's flying and everything. It was just like nothing like that had ever been done. And you can look at it and, you know, as like if if you are younger, maybe in Gen Z or something and and, and think like, you know, this is dated and it is dated in a lot of ways. But man, at for its time and I still think for even now it is still some of the best performances I've ever seen of any actor ever embodying a character and uh, rest in peace, Richard Donner. You gave us um, some amazing movies, lethal weapon. I mean, this guy was just a legend. So and anybody have anything to say about Richard Donner? Yeah, I, um, I was really saddened to, to hear of his passing too. I mean, I completely agree with you. Superman, what lightning in a bottle, like it, how could you even make a bad movie once you put that recipe together? Like it, you just knew something really special was going to come out of it, and uh, and yeah, he'll, he'll he'll sorely be missed. He's like one of those original directors that really like wouldn't shut up about what they did to his movie with Superman too. Like yeah. it, you just didn't hear that a lot. Where you know him and Ridley Scott were kind of the the forerunners of complaining about what a studio did to their edit, and uh, eventually Donner got to put his Superman two out there, and I think he was proven right. I think his as much as we kind of laud Superman two as being one of the greatest you know comic book movies of all time, I think he improved upon a great thing. Yeah, I Donner cut. I love both cuts. Don't get me wrong. I love both cuts. I remember the first time I saw the Donner cut, I was like, holy, I don't remember this. What is, cause I, I didn't realize I was watching the Donner cut. It was like somebody was like, I was watching, and this is before streaming services. Somebody was playing it like maybe on sci-fi Jake or something. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing the Donner cut for the first time and just being like, holy shit, I don't remember this. What is going on? It was like, and it was even more surreal than like watching like the director's cut of the abyss. Cause like, you know, yeah, I'd seen the abyss before, but this was so wildly different because like they, they completely changed a lot of that movie to get Donner's name off of the original film. So it was so different, but it's so good. Yeah. yeah. And me and you are the same, are, are basically the same age. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where it's hard to, we have so much like childhood nostalgia for the theatrical cut yeah. that it's hard to see like the, well, is the Donner cut better? It's not the, our beloved childhood cut, but you, like if you think of it from like a filmmaker's perspective, you can really see how radical what he was trying to do with yeah. how, you know, chronologically he put that movie together. But yeah, I, I was really saddened to, to hear of his passing. He's definitely an all time legend in filmmaking. Yeah, I wouldn't like I wouldn't interrupt a Black Widow review just for for anyone, but this is Richard Donner. Anybody else? Yeah, we ain't doing this shit for Brian De Palma when he dies. We'll be like, fuck him. <laughs> yeah. No, he's just an integral part of probably most people's childhood with the Goonies. Yes. As well. Yes. And he did the Omen. Yes. And he's the person that kicked oh, off yeah. as executive producer on X-Men as well. So we almost feel like, yeah, he's he's part of the Marvel Universe, really. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we'd have these comic book movies like we have today. You know, perhaps if we wouldn't have had someone like Richard Donner paving the way. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I was born in 1980. And so, you know, I grew up watching, you know, VHS tapes that were recorded off HBO and stuff. And, and I remember watching Superman and Superman 2 over and over again. And, you know, just they, they were really kind of my first introduction to, to comic book stuff when I was a little kid, you know, seeing the movies before I even knew really what comic books were. And yeah, all of his contributions to, to everything. 
um, yeah, I hope he rests in peace. He, um, a lot of great accomplishments in his lifetime and just yeah. the, the sheer level of entertainment that he gave the world. The, the actor, the young, it was the baby Cal L in that movie grew up and he played a small role in Man of Steel. Wow. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I, I went down a rabbit hole the other, the other day <laughs> looking at Superman stuff and I was looking at like the baby actor, they had his picture there and so I clicked on his IMDB as an adult and I saw that as an adult he had worked on, he had been like a, like an officer that you see in, in the Man of Steel movie from 2013 and he also did a voice of Lex Luthor in like a video game or an animated project. And so I was just like that is cool that that this movie has just stood the test of time and it's also given other people many opportunities. It's just so fucking cool. And I love the fact that they brought back Christopher Reeve for Smallville after he had been put into the wheelchair and I just, oh my god, I love Dr. Swan. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I, I loved Smallville. Was so good for so many seasons. Not every episode, not every season was great, but there's a lot of good ones there. Oh, it's a great fun oh, show. You can pull like eight great episodes out of every season and yeah. make it a perfect show. But it yeah. was like you're right. It's back in the time when you had to have 22 episodes a season. So there's some there's some crap there. Yeah. Was it you, Brian, that posted about uh, Richard Donner paying for Jeff Cohen's university? No, no, that was not me. All right, because he basically paid for his education to become a lawyer. Oh wow! Yeah, I so, did yeah. not know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Richard Donner. Thank you uh, for everything that you brought us. Um, that movie has brought me so much entertainment over the years, and uh, it's not the last time I'll watch it. I'll watch that throughout my entire lifetime. Um, love Superman. Um, I want to ask the question. Let's jump into some Black Widow stuff. I want to ask the question since it is out on Disney Premium for twenty nine ninety nine. Who watched it? Who's only watched it at home? Nobody. We all went to the theater to watch this one. So, how many times have we seen this movie? I myself, I've seen it three times now. I watched it in IMAX the first night. Uh, the next night I went to the theater, watched it in 3D, real 3D, and then I've watched it at home. So, Jake, how many times have you seen Black Widow? I've seen it three times now. I saw it once in IMAX for the first time, and then I watched it two more times at home. Joe? I've seen it twice. I watched it uh, Thursday night in the theater, and then I watched it last night at home. There you go. Um Ashley? Yeah, twice as well. First night IMAX, and then uh, earlier today at an RPX theater. Ooh, RPX! I've never been to one. What is that like? Uh, you know, it's a right. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not like, I guess you get like a nice recliner. That's great. Yeah. Like there is a lot of space, but like the sound, at least in that theater, was nothing compared to that first. Like I'm so fucking yeah. glad <laughs> that I saw it in IMAX because the sound and everything was just incredible that yeah. like that second day it just wasn't on, it wasn't at the same level but it was okay because i had already like experienced it so yeah i thought and and um i love seeing like the movies like in a dolby atmos you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. it's amazing um in 3d it did look i mean there's some really cool shit in 3d and some of the stuff that 
like were just kind of like throwaway scenes that really didn't stand out in the IMAX version. When I saw it in 3D, like like when the helicopters coming down and the propellers are swinging, like they're like right in your face, or or the scene, oh, okay, okay, the, the scene where Melina is holding like that huge sniper rifle and she's pointing it yes. at the screen. It's like literally like gonna hit you in the face like a dick in a porno or something. It's like <laughs> that's excellent. It was so cool. Um, so there, and, and definitely that third act where everything's falling from the fucking sky. Yeah, we're going to be talking about spoilers here, people. This is a spoiler episode. Um, but you know, um, yeah, uh, 3D was, was, I think it was worth it. I think it was worth seeing it. I did find out that you cannot wear a mask and watch a 3D movie because I was wearing the mask oh. in the theater. Um, I've never taken my mask off in the theater before. I've, I'm fully vaccinated, but I still, I, I just don't want to fucking get sick. So I keep my mask on in the theater and then all of a sudden my mask, when I breathe out, the, like, my breath was- <laughs> Can't see anything. It was, well, it was <laughs> bouncing back towards my eyes and that was where the fucking glasses are and they were fogging up. So I was like, I cannot enjoy this movie in 3D with these glasses on if they're going to continue to fog up. So I took the mask off. I was just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to take the mask off and I'll watch it. Um, Kay, how many times have you seen it? I saw it once so far on Wednesday night. It's like Wednesday night New Zealand time. So yeah. A little bit before everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you worked on it, so you got to see a lot, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> when you, I got a question for you. When you get these movies, do they, do they give you the sound with them all the time or is it sometimes just without audio? I've never actually looked for the sound, to be honest. Because I don't want too many spoilers. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I, I don't go looking for information. I just kind of like work on what I'm actually going to be working on. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Widow synopsis, Natasha Romanoff, AKA Black Widow confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down. Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. Black Widow is directed by Kate Shortland. She's done uh, movies. She's done Somersault, uh, Lore, Berlin Syndrome. I have not seen any of her previous work. Uh, the screenplay here uh, is by Eric Pearson. And work on this movie began in late 2017. Shortland was hired in 2018. Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson contributed to the script before Pearson was hired. Jack Schaefer, you'll remember her work. She worked on WandaVision. And um, filming for this movie took place uh, from May to October of 2019 in Norway, uh, Budapest. Budapest. I say Budapest. I under, she's saying it with the Hungarian pronunciation when Black Widow says it. She says Budapest. But, uh, uh, Morocco, Pinewood Studios in England, and in Atlanta, and Macon, Georgia. Uh, Black Widow stars Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, uh, alongside Florence Pugh, David Harbour, O.T. Fagbenley, Olga Kirilenko, William Hurt, Ray Winstone, and Rachel Weiss. Um, I also wanted to point out that, uh, Ever Anderson portrays a young Natasha Romanoff. She is the daughter of Mia Jovovich. Oh, oh, I could I see, see it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene when they're right, like in the, 
in the container and they're being taken out as they're going through the credits. Yeah. And like, if you, if you look at that, that shot, you're like, wow, you look almost identical to your mother in this moment. <laughs> like It's like a mini <laughs> Mila. It's so cool. Yeah. Violet McGraw portrays a young Yelena Belova and, uh, she was the young actress in the haunting of Hill house on Netflix. So that's why she may have looked familiar oh, yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. She did look familiar. Yeah. Yep. She was in The Haunting of Hill House, which I absolutely loved on Netflix. Um, Black Widow has an estimated runtime of 134 minutes. No, it has a, a, a runtime of 134 minutes and an estimated budget of $200 million. We are going to be jumping into spoilers for Black Widow. I'm going to play your official spoiler warning. This is a Pop Culture Leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. So we will be spoiling the movie from here on out. Uh, we're going to start off by giving our thoughts on the movie and rating it before we unpack it. If this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Actually, I'm going to start up. Joe, I want to hear what you thought about this movie. Yeah, I went into this with, I had been staying away from as many trailers as possible. Um, so, you know, going into it, it had been a little while since I'd seen one of those. Um, you know, I, I also went into it with not too many expectations because I, I knew this was something that was taking place in the past. Uh, it likely wasn't going to, you know, have that much of an effect on the MCU going forward. Uh, but I've always loved Scarlett Johansson's performance as, as Black Widow. Um, I'm actually one of the the the, the rare people that I, I don't absolutely hate Iron Man two. Uh, I I don't know if it just stems back to um, back in the day when that was always on FX, and so it just always be on my DVR, and so I'd always be catching bits of it. it sounds like I was Stockholm Syndrome, like it was <laughs> like, yeah, like, like the... from the climbing gym, and I'd be like, I'm gonna eat my pop tarts, I'm gonna watch something on the DVR, and then most of the time it would be Thor t or Iron Man two. Iron Man 2 and the first Thor movie. I just watch them over and over. I don't know why. Um, but I, just, I always love Scarlett Johansson in that one. And, um, and I've liked her in all these movies going forward. And, and, you know, when everyone else was getting these solo movies in the first phase and then throughout the second phase and stuff, I was always one that I wanted to see a, a Black Widow movie, especially after seeing Winter Soldier and like seeing, you know, how great the MCU could do a spy thriller. And it's like, she was great in that. Like, give us more of that as a solo film of hers. And so I feel like this was really a long time coming. And so I was excited to see it, but you know, I wasn't going into it super hyped or anything like that. Um, that being said, like I, I really loved this movie. It, uh, and I, I think it helped going into it with no expectations. I, I really liked what they did with every single character with, with the exception of one, um, I, I I feel like they they didn't do as much justice to the Taskmaster character as they could have. Mm. Um, but also, I mean, that being said, I'm I don't have the biggest background like in comics. Like I've read Taskmaster in like a handful of comics, but he's always just been here and there. Like I've never read anything that really prominently features him. 
Um, I've seen, I think I've probably seen him more in like animated Avengers stuff that my, my kids used to watch that, you know, there'd be, you know, episodes of that or maybe like Ultimate Spider-Man or something like that where he'd pop up. And so I'm kind of familiar with what Taskmaster can do, but I don't have this nostalgic connection to him or anything. And so at the end of the day, when I was really looking at this film and saying, I liked everything about this. I liked the cinematography. I liked the plot. I liked the the, the performances and all the characters. Um, the the, uh, the Florence Pugh, what they did introducing her and David Harbour was so funny. Um, the the family aspect to this. I mean, there was so much about this that I loved. And just the, the one thing that I think they could have done better would have been that Taskmaster stuff. And so I really went back and forth on on what I was going to rate this. And, and ultimately, I think I like this movie enough to where the Taskmaster part's not really going to affect it for me because I think they did everything else so well. And so for me, this was a Tupperware. All right. Yeah, we got a Tupperware from Joe. I'm going to move on to Kay. What did you think, Kay? Oh, it's a definite Tupperware for me. Definitely. I've been waiting a long time to see this. Um, not even even before working on it. It was, um, you know, I wanted to see a Black Widow movie. You know, she deserves to have a little bit more of her story told. And I think they did a very good job. Yeah, I mean, they te- they teased that Budapest line, you know, forever. All the time. Yeah. And the whole Marvel <laughs> Universe. It's always Budapest, Budapest. And yeah. you finally get a little bit more of an answer to that. But not yeah. the whole picture, which right. I think I quite like. You just get hints of it and you go, oh, I can make the rest up myself. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There's the- I still have questions about Budapest. But yeah, I think we will always have questions about Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, okay, uh, Ashley. Um, yeah, Black Widow. Oh man, I loved this movie. Also, um, what a palate cleanser from Wonder Woman. <laughs> Can I just say that? Where I was like, yes, I want my like, because you know, I'm all about the. The, the female leads and telling and telling their stories and, and Natasha's always been this central connection with all of the Avengers for so long that it was wonderful to spend two and a half hours with her and her story. I um, I also love thrillers and spot like the Bourne series is one of my favorite <laughs> favorite um, spy thrillers. So it was really. I had a lot of moments that were reminiscent of that and, and going to all the different locations um, across the world were really fucking cool, the big set pieces. But I also really, really enjoyed the really kind of uh, tender character moments where they're not even always talking, but they're conveying certain pieces, like even just the beginning and seeing the, you know, her sister run up and they, the whistle and how they mimic each other and their interactions with their mother early on. Like some of the, sometimes I just found myself being really engrossed by what was happening. And then when the action would come in, I was like, Oh, hey, hold on. I like kind of wanted to stay there for another minute or two and, and see where this was going. Um, and they made me feel a lot of things. Like there were a lot of uncomfortable moments we're like the, we're reminiscent of uh, Birds of Prey um, when Roman would get really gross sometimes, mm-hmm, <laughs> and, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is uncomfortable with the, you know, with the the head guy. I don't remember his name. Um, Drakeoff. Uh, Drakeoff, yeah. And then, like in the opening the credit scene, it made you really uncomfortable. There was the, they really did the suspense well with uh, with the the plane and everything. So I just I was really impressed, and I I really felt like. Again, the cinematography was also beautiful, and it gave 
it gave Natasha, even though there are pieces that have some maybe overlap with Winter Soldier and, and Cap Story, this did feel feel very specific to to her, Natasha and her world and her story. And I really, really appreciated that, especially because we have to wait this long. So absolute Tupperware. Tupperware. Jake, I'm going to get to your thoughts next. Yeah, I'm going to give this movie the highest of taste it. Um, I liked it quite a lot. I thought if the major job of this movie was to get us used to the Yelena character, then it extremely succeeded in that. Um, I thought that character was kind of the, um, stole the movie for me. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with Joe. I'm not the kind of like fan that gets all freaked out and upset if they change a character from the comic page to the movie. But, just the choices that they made with Taskmaster, they weren't good. Like, putting that aside, I just thought it was a very predictable outcome with what they did story-wise. And I just thought it was almost like a generic T-800 villain going against Black Widow. And I just never got the suspense or the excitement of that character. And I I thought Drakeoff was a little bit of a letdown as a, as a main villain as well. Just the two villain performances didn't do all that much for me, but I still really loved this movie. I loved all the character moments between uh, Natasha and Yelena. I thought they did a fantastic job. I thought both Harbor and Rachel Weiss were great. Um, I loved the chemistry between those two characters. Um, I thought the last third was some of the most anxiety-inducing action sequences I'd seen in a movie in a long time. They really nailed that last third act. I A lot of times I'm really tuned out with third acts in action movies like this, and I was I couldn't have paid more attention to what was going on. The minute the falling starts happening, I'm just glued to the screen. My, my eyeballs were watering from those scenes, and I thought that was really good. But yeah, just the, the villain side was a little bit of a letdown for me, but all the character stuff with Natasha and Yelena was fantastic. This movie definitely has rewatchability. It's just not my favorite of the Marvel movies. Okay, yeah, so high taste it. Not going to get a Tupperware party. Uh, and you wouldn't have anyway, even if Jake gave it a Tupperware, because uh, I'm also going to give it a high taste it. Um, and it does come down to the main villain here, uh, Taskmaster. I loved everything in this movie as far as, uh, you know, uh, Black Widow, uh, Yelena, I loved Red Guardian, uh, I loved the action set pieces, um, I will talk about the action set pieces here in just a moment. My main problem with this is that it's like, they save these amazing villains. I feel like some of them for like these major movies and this villain just had zero personality, um, that we're following with taskmaster. Now I guess you can say, Oh, we, well, Drakov's the main villain. Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. But I honestly think, and, and, and it does go kind of like with like some of the, I'm with you, Jake. Like, I think they can change these villains as long as like, it enhances things that that are happening within the movie if they make changes that enhance the character and enhance the story i feel like yes make those changes i want to see those changes made that's cool definitely go with it i don't feel like they had to make antonia drakoff the taskmaster i feel like 
the entire movie, they could have had a different person playing, you know, uh, Taskmaster. Maybe, you know, we could get, we could have got the proper Tony Masters being Taskmaster this entire movie and had a fucking villain that had a personality that had a personality that was like interacting with Black Widow and fucking with her. It's like, there's something to be said about a villain that's got a personality that's interacting with the main characters. It just kind of like elevates the story. Like, that's where you get Heath Ledger's Joker. That's where you do get a Thanos that's, that, that's actually interacting with our characters and like fucking kind of like, you know, we just have to see how they react to these characters and like, you know, them talking back and forth during battles. But like this whole movie is dependent upon like this one scene at the end of the movie where she's unmasked, where the taskmaster is, uh, taskmaster is unmasked and we see that it's Antonia Drakoff, the daughter, Drakoff's daughter, which was teased all the way back. In Avengers, when Loki is like in custody and, and, uh, Black, and he says, you know, he's got all, you've got all this red in your ledger, you know, and he mentions Drakoff's daughter. Like this was teased back in 2012. Here's the thing, Jake, I honestly feel like we could have got a proper Tony Masters in this movie that's interacting, uh, a, a, a villain with personality that's actually doing things and making these scenes a little bit more fun, um, to watch and the action a little bit more fun, um, and then at the end of the movie, there still could have been that reveal that his daughter's a widow. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I'm right there with you. I didn't have a problem with the... Because even the advertising for this movie was kind of like, who is Taskmaster? Like, that was always a thing. And it was never appalling to me that they were going to go that route. Like, you already right away knew it wasn't going to be Tony Masters because of just the way they were going with the promotion. But... Oh, the way they went was just so predictable and so vanilla and so boring. Yeah, I, I feel like they could have they could have done the exact same movie, but given us given us a villain that actually I don't know was was interesting. It, it all fell to like this like in my opinion this final scene where it's like okay, it's Antonio Drakoff, and I think that we could have had the proper. I think we could have had. I think comic book fans could have had their cake and enjoyed you know the same kind of like reveal at the end where his daughter comes out as a as a widow let's unpack this let's just start talking about this a little bit more that's my feelings on that we can talk about a little bit more if you guys want to um i did love the action set pieces in this um god damn it if i did i wanted that motorcycle chase to go a little bit longer Oh my god, I kept getting like Mission Impossible Tom Cruise vibes when mm-hmm. Yelena and uh and and, and uh and Natasha are in the in the motorcycle and it goes through so quickly. I wanted that could have gone on. I'm telling you, that could have gone on another five minutes for me of just like them on the motorcycle being chased by this armored armored vehicle that's being manned by Taskmaster was so fucking awesome. It could have gone. It could have gone, Jake. It could have gone on another ten minutes. I would have loved it. It was so fucking cool. Yeah, I love that as well. I, I thought it was cool how they kind of had right before that the scene of Widow watching James Bond before kind of doing three different interlocking, <laughs> yeah. interlocking action sequences, including that, you know, motorcycle car chase back to back. I thought that was a, a cool meta nod wink to the audience about how this movie was going to go for the next half an hour. Yeah. 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 Joe, what did you think about like, uh, the action that we got in, in the movie? Was there anything that like really stood out to you? 
Oh, the, the fight sequences in this were so good. I've, I've been doing huge deep dives in martial arts movies lately. Yeah. And I loved what they did with the fighting sequences in this. Uh, the way that they use the environment around them, like the amount of times that you see one of our characters violently bounce off something else in the room, whether it's <laughs> yeah. fucking yeah. counter, cupboards, door jam, um, uh, that that table hit that she does in the end where just her legs hit the table and then her face plants on the ground and then they're all around her beating on her like oh I mean just the fighting yeah. in this was brutal I mean it, I, I saw some people online saying that they thought it was like kind of the best yet I, I don't think it quite equaled the the hand to hand fighting we got in Winter Soldier no but but man this was this was really good yeah and I don't. I, I'm going to keep coming back to this every time I talk about fighting, but it just gets me more and more excited for what we're going to see in, in Shang-Chi. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm so geeked for that, man. <laughs> me too. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I, the action sequences are one of the biggest draws for me yeah. with these movies, and I thought they did a stellar job of it with everything in this. The, the stunt workers had to do some really wild shit. Um, I totally agree. I wish that motorcycle part would have gone on longer. Yes. Uh, I loved the way that motorcycle ended, though. They, sure. they skid sideways, hit a little wall, and then they just get dumped off of it. I mean, that was... I don't know if I've ever seen that before in a movie. Yeah, that was dope. That was, that was really good. That was and really good. That, that tank was fucking unstoppable. And then with all the Fast and Furious we've been watching lately, it so put me in mind of that. I was like, yes. holy shit. I thought about that too, Joe, which is another reason yeah. I thought it could have gone on another five minutes. <laughs> I was like, this looks like something Roman would be driving. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. I I want to point out, like, at the beginning of the movie, you know, I, I'm not going to break it down scene by scene. You guys have seen the movie. But at the beginning of the movie, I did I did really find it interesting that it starts off – and I got questions, actually. Maybe you guys can help answer this. But it starts off in 1995 in Ohio, and you've got, you know, this, this – basically the, this this – family here of uh, Alexi and Melina and the two daughters, Natasha and Yelena. Now, Yelena's so young, she doesn't remember anything before this, but Natasha, she knows. Do we know, like, okay, so she'd been with them for three years, so is it just kind of like an adopted situation here that Natasha's aware of? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. she had previously gone mm-hmm. through the Red Room already, and... You know, she, we had that scene where she's talking with Melina later and she's, they're going through the photo album. Yeah. She's saying that she remembers they shot these all on the same day. She knew all the presents under the tree were empty, but she was excited to open them anyway because she was like longing for that fantasy to be real. And she was like, you know, trying to, to, to believe in it that much harder. Right. Okay. Okay. And then, and, and when, when they're at the airbase and she was like, she's only six. And he says to Natasha, well, you were younger. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like she has already been through some training. And she knew how to handle the gun and was able to take the gun and kick it out of that guy's hand. So she had some some level of training where he was like, just stand down. Her her acting in that scene was incredible. Like, I will kill you. I will will kill you all. And she's screaming it in both Russian and in English. And I was just like, holy shit. Um, 1995 is the same year that Captain Marvel takes place, so I want to throw that out there. And it's also oh, the same, ball. it's also, hold on, it's also the same year that Gamora was taken from her family by Thanos. Good times. It's a good year to kidnap CU future heroes. 
1995 was definitely an interesting year. 1995 was also... <laughs> They're all kidnapped and brainwashed. I, it, yeah, it, it, it's true. It's true. It, isn't that crazy how they all were basically yeah. kidnapped, brainwashed, and... Yeah. Now, here's the thing. And Gamora and her both have the same fate. Well. Yeah. Um, so... I... I do want to talk about um, this. What? I guess I. Is it? Did we have? Was were you guys fans of this whole kind of storyline that they put in here? With it's not just you know with 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 Natasha. It was like this psychological conditioning that they put her through when she went through the red room. Mm-hmm. Everyone else that has kind of like gone through it later has gone through like this mind control program, this chemically induced mind control program, which was, you know, which was, which started out at this facility called the North Institute, which we got, uh, Red Guardian who had, you know, broken into the facility, stole the program. And we find out that this program was actually run by shield, which was secretly Hydra at the time, back in 1995. And, we have like this whole like later on in the movie we find out like this 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 program that started at North Institute this chemically induced mind control that they're doing is like this fucking computer program where they can like control you like to the point where like they made that pig stop breathing um also later on like there's the scene where Drakeoff is controlling that one widow and he's like uh you know that it was that whole like uh, uh why are you punching yourself scene where she punched herself in the head and like kind of fucking killed herself that one widow jake how did you feel about the whole north institute mind control thing was that too much for you did you buy into it because i i enjoyed everything i i like that part i think my biggest part was like my biggest part that i thought was stupid and maybe i'm in the minority here was the pheromone thing where she had to sever the nerve. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought um, plot wise, it was clunky and stupid. I'm right there with you, but I thought at the end of the day, the juice was worth the squeeze. Cause I did like the, her smashing her nose broken and then her reconstructing her nose stuff. I thought that really like made her seem like such a badass that that was like, <laughs> yeah. They showed a flashback right before she did it, too, which means, like, it was something that she was predetermined to do. It wasn't like a she just thought of it that moment. And I just love that she went in there with the plan that she was going to self-inflict, break her nose. Like, but I agree with you. The way we got there with the pheromones that make it so you can't attack me, like, it was very just that part was clunky. Okay, so, like yeah. RoboCop, like, OCP, like, prime directive <laughs> shit. Yeah. I I like because I I totally because I I think she was trying to antagonize him to the point where he would punch her hard enough to do it yes. right but then she was like since you didn't do it I'll do it and then is a badass and just like breaks her face on the thing but I for me because I agree you know it is like we're also talking about you know brain control horror in a superhero movie at that level so like I kind of like put it into the the camp of making him that much more skeezy like you're that fucking gross 
that you would like make it like with pheromones so that he can go up and like touch and like do whatever and then like definitely like out there but to me it just added to his just like oh this guy is just like like the scum of the earth like uh, yeah he, he yes. would do that you piece of garbage like uh, yeah. I, like and oh ugh, i'm so slimy i see okay i i think that Okay, I'm, I'm, I do like the whole, like, chemically induced mind control stuff because I think, like, that's really the only way that you can kind of, like, expand the widows to where you've got, like, you know, nearly 10,000 widows all over the globe, mm-hmm. right? That's like, I don't <laughs> to think. scale up your business. Yeah. Like that, I think <laughs> like. be able to brain control your lady. Cause I don't think that you can, I don't think that you could do that as efficiently if you're just doing it with like psychological conditioning like they did with Natasha. Right. I think you've got to like, kind of like step up your game and find a way to kind of like, yeah, do this chemically induced mind control where they're using this mm-hmm. computer program. I bought that. I guess it was just for me, the whole pheromone thing was just like taking it to like that okay. next level where I was kind of like, okay, I don't know. And maybe I kept thinking to myself, like, could we have just maybe gotten like maybe Black Widow and Melina had a little bit more time to work this out. And Melina, since she is a scientist, maybe she could have like, you know, severed the maybe nerve herself, you know, surgically <laughs> yeah. before okay. this all happened instead of her like, you know, bang your head. Dun, dun. Break it back, you know, like going to be badass, like Jake said. Like I, I, like that I can't. I, well, I don't think she shared what she was going to do with Melina either. I yeah. keep, I keep yeah. thinking, I like, what if she, that. what if she banged her head so hard she just knocked herself out? <laughs> oh and no! It's like the end of the that movie. Would be me, I'd be like, I have a plan. Okay, I got this. And then do that, and then knock out, and then the guy's like, "What the fuck?" And then throw yeah. me in the cell, and I'm like, "Damn it, pull him again!" I thought that this, I <laughs> um, thought, I thought this was a soft pine. I didn't realize it was a hard oak. Hilarious! <laughs> Misjudge the wood. Misjudge the wood. I love that it's such a tropey action scene sequence when the person's yeah. waiting for the thing to download down to 100%. Yeah. And I thought using that as the scene where she reconstructs her nose before she jumps was just a brilliant wow. nod to what a, what a dumb scene that usually is in action movies. I thought you that know, was a brilliant moment. While we're waiting, go ahead and knock that thing back into place. But what if they're setting the... Okay, what if they're setting the stage... For some like Spider Woman pheromone situations, when we get her movie, <laughs> oh my out god, there. it's out there! But like it's you've been out, right? I, seriously, we need to get you off Reddit. That's what that's what needs. <laughs> I don't have a problem, Brian. Yes, you do. <laughs> I learned it from watching you, Brian. Literally, I'm like literally that the aliens mean guy. But what if? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the pheromones thing was a bit of a stretch, but it's like if we're believing the other stuff in this, why not? Joe just fucking Joe waves the white flag of surrender during this movie, and he's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> It's like, okay, we're, we're believing that, that, that there's this other chemical thing that can control them so well sure. that they can pull out a smart pad and just, like, turn a setting down for respiration, and then you're just a fish out of water until they, they crank that back up. Yeah. Okay, you know, that's a, a certain suspension belief. I know. I did eye roll my a little bit harder at the pheromone thing than that, but I was like, well, you know, we're here. <laughs> but but like, like Jake was saying, I like the way I liked the way everything went after that because she was clearly antagonizing him 
want like she was like I want you to break my fucking nose and then when she's like you're weak and it's like yeah he's so weak in fact that he can't even break her nose and 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 what Ashley was saying about how it builds to him being more of this this skeevy character that yeah he would do that and um I'm wondering if if anybody else got like incredible Harvey Weinstein vibes. Yes, I was bring that up. I was, yeah, like so much and on oh, so many levels. I got I it. I almost wonder well, if it was written that way. It was. It had to have been. If, if all, th- if me, you, and Jake yeah. are getting that, then yes, it was a hundred percent. Because I mean, and, and if I mean, you he's notice, controlling like all these women, mm-hmm. he's controlling all these women. He's he's. You know, like they, they have to do exactly what he says. He's kind of controlling their destinies. Grooming and, and them also, from a like, young age. Yeah. Grooming mm-hmm. them from a young age. And also just looking at the way they, that they costumed up this guy. It was like, they harvey mm-hmm. the fuck out of him. I mean, like, I, and, I, I, and the concept that you look at these girls as nothing but pawns. And when, if one doesn't work, you grab another one, right? Like they're almost, they're recyclable that yeah. you can just, there's an endless supply of them. And, and just like when you, when you see him interact with every, even when it's uh, when he like when we think it's Melina initially, he he's so close to her all the time. It's just it's so and, oh, and the way so that they film it and it's right over his shoulder and he's just so in their space and and like if we think it is Melina and like that knowing that she can't do anything either and this guy can just like oh yeah oh the whole thing is just. When when I saw this the second time uh, earlier today actually there was a whole group of like eight like preteen girls that went to see this movie, which was so incredible. And they were so excited the whole time, but it was really interesting to hear them during that part. They were, they were like audibly like, Oh my God, ew, he's so gross. Oh my God, he's touching her. Like they were just like freaked out and gross by it. But like, it was interesting to see that presented. And then yes, see her use that against him to like allow, allow him to break that or allow her to break that tie so that she could like attack him. All that stuff was, yeah. Just, ugh, and and, and like well. very much her thing. What's yeah, that, Sorry, I didn't. I thought you'd finished. <laughs> she, she's no. You're finished now, Ashley. What's that, Kay? I'm done. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've turned into Harvey Weinstein. I apologize. <laughs> you're done. Well, no. Go ahead, Kay. Kay. I was going to say the fact that he will even use his daughter instead of going, this terrible thing happened to my daughter, maybe right. I should rethink my priorities. He goes, oh, I could use her <laughs> for something. Down. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Great point. Yeah, I mean, he was saying that he can't even stand looking at her face. And so it's like, is that why she's wearing a mask? Because correct. you personally can't stand looking at her face? Like, oh, God. It's hard, hard to look at, isn't anything. <laughs> I thought they leaned too much into the Harvey Weinstein thing with the, the casting decision, though. I, I think this character with a better performance could have been a lot better. I think the idea of a good, serious, creepy villain was there, but kind of marred by not that great of a performance. At least that was my takeaway. I I think they purposely hired someone that looked like Harvey Weinstein a little bit even. Oh, Ray Winston's a, he's lovely though. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a fan of his since I was like, he was in like a series when I was a kid called Robin of Sherwood and I've been a fan of his ever since. So, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's always bad. Basically your go-to Cockney villain usually for most gangster stuff. So it was actually really nice to see him in this role and doing something a little bit different. Yeah, I don't know. He just he did not really do it for me, and was one of the one of the things that kept me from just absolutely gushing over this movie. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about uh, what happened in 
what happened in Budapest. So we find out that it's it, it, that Clint and Natasha worked together to take down the Red Room, kill Drakoff, take down the Red Room, which uh, they did in a well. No, hold on. They they that's what they set out to do. I guess like my biggest question is the fact that like in Avengers they're fighting the Chitari. <laughs> they're fighting Clint. And Natasha are fighting Chitari, and she says, doesn't this remind you of Budapest? And Clint says, you and I remember Budapest quite differently. And I'm just like, now watching this and knowing what happened in Budapest, where she basically set off a bunch of bomb charges and killed a young girl, believed she killed a young girl. How does that remind her of anything that happened at the end of Avengers? I think it was the, the fight in the apartment. There must have been a fight in her apartment in the safe house because Melina um, asks, oh, are those bullet holes? And she goes, no, those are arrows. So clearly he'd been, there'd been a pre, a fight going on there between the two of them. I, between Clint and between and Clint and Natasha. Clint and Natasha. Okay, okay. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I get, yeah, I, I did think about that. And was, do you think that that was Clint trying to get her, you know, cause she talked about how Clint saved her. Yeah, that's when he made yeah. a different call because Shield sent him in to, my, my, my theory is Shield sent him in to take her out. Yeah. He went there, they fought in that safe mm-hmm. house. Right. And then he made a yeah. different call. And then together they made up this plan to take off, take out Drakov. And then they did. And then the whole city came down on them and it turned into a war zone for several days. And I'm thinking that that several days of, a, of it being a war zone is what she's referring to in the yeah, battle in New York. I would agree with that because he does the same for Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron. Yeah. He makes yeah. a different call. That's true. Time, so, yeah. Do you think maybe that's just something she says about anything? Like they could fucking be eating. <laughs> you know, they could, they, they could, they could be at like Arby's eating like, you know, double those, those, those cheese Arby sandwiches, double those double, cheddar. those double cheddars. And she could be like, does this remind you of Budapest? And he's like, well, I'll stop. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, there's accidentally a curly fry in her regular fries. And, oh, doesn't this remind you of Budapest? It's like a, a very morbid in joke between the two of them, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Was, I just found... Playing tic-tac-toe with his kids, and then she looks up and smiles at him. Does this remind you of Budapest? <laughs> <laughs> I guess setting fireworks off with the kids. <laughs> doesn't does this remind you of Budapest? <laughs> This one will melt your face off. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. Another thing that I want to talk about here. I, I'm, we're going to be jumping all over the place with this one. Um, <laughs> can we fully trust Molina even after the events of like what happened here? Now, here's the thing that that's really weird to me is like that final plan that they went through. She was like she pretty much was in control. A lot of that plan. Um, and uh She's also Iron Maiden, a villain who's super uh, jealous of uh, of Black Widow in the comics, and and I know that they changed her character up here, but she is really she's been a part of it. She's been cycled through the Red Room four times, and I think like you know like maybe she wants to take out Drakoff because her plan is very calculated on taking out Drakoff, but maybe she wants to take out Drakoff so she can control the widows. Maybe she's like. 
she's thinking to herself, like, you know, if I was in control of the widows, I wouldn't make the same mistakes as Drakoff. And she's been working with this program. She's the one that's behind this program. Maybe she thinks that she, once she's in control of the, of the widows, she can, she can do things differently than, you know, Drakoff did. And like, maybe this could set up, you know, the plot of Black Widow too, if we find out that that film could star maybe Florence Pugh later on down the road. Now think about this. This movie takes place in 2016. In the MCU timeline, the farthest we've gone now is 2024, which is eight years in the future. So everything that's happened here in this movie is basically we're eight years removed from that in like the current MCU timeline if we're talking about Far From Home. Now, in that time, I mean, where are these widows? We've heard nothing from anyone in any movie about where these widows are. What's happened to these widows? Guys, uh, do the math. There's probably anywhere between... From what I've seen on the internet, there's anywhere from 7,000 to 10,000 widows that are being controlled by Drakoff. So, what? where are these widows? When the snap happened, maybe half of the widows were taken. But, like, you know, this, you know, now now they're back. Who's in control of these widows? Okay, like what? What is going on? I don't know if we can tr- fully trust Molina after the events of this movie. That's just—I'm not saying she is going to be the villain in, in in a Black Widow two if they ever make one, but I'm just like—I guess I'm more curious as to like where the fuck are the widows been for the last eight years? I think they're very much like a sleeper cell that they're only going to get called on when needed. But you have all your pieces in the in the right place. Yes, but Drakeoff's all in the right place for anything that's needed. So he will only use one at a time for what's, you know. Do we believe, though, do we believe, though, that Melina went off and she replicated the red dust that basically is the antidote to this chemically induced, you know, uh, mind control? Do we believe that is that the end of the story? Melina goes off, mass produces this stuff. She's got the locations of all these widows. She sets them free. And then they basically are able to live their own life and buy their own fucking pocketed vests and live their own lives. (laughs) Is that? Melina was with her. So I think Melina is very much on her own side. Like, I think she saw this as an opportunity to get out from Dracoff. Yeah, but because she doesn't want to be controlled by him, but she doesn't necessarily want to control the widows. But she's like, oh, this is a good opportunity to get everyone else to help me get out. I don't really care what happens after that as long as I can live my life. But I mean, Yelena was with her and was Yelena has the uh, formula as well, doesn't she? So yeah, but Yelena is going to give it to the scientist, which is Melina and Melina is going to be the one that's going to be, you know, administering. I would believe that she'd be the one administering the, the red dust to all of the other the other widows. Yeah, I mean, she I really. That you can't really do it all at once, though, can you? you can't have like <laughs> no. Thousand people going, yeah. well, hang on a minute. What have I been doing for the last five years? You know? No, it's like it's like it's like everybody lining up to, for the COVID vaccine. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she did really, really enjoy her experiment with the pig, and like, no, no, no they have eleven seconds. It's going to be fine. So I'm like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> there, there could be something. <laughs> In there, that's a little bit, a uh, little bit suspect. 
Yeah, I just I, enjoying that widow. A little bit, uh, right? It's like, like, a little bit like yeah. right. Like I'm proud that I can control another creature's ability to breathe. That makes me excited. Aren't you also excited at looking at this? Look right. how it doesn't breathe. I'm yeah. doing that. How cool. <laughs> It was so stressful. I was like, oh, my God, make the pig breathe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, like, I don't know. Like, but then, can we can we trust her? Can you can you? I don't fully. Here's the thing. I'm not saying we're I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen, but I can't say that I fully trust Melina. And right, I mean, that's a good call because she also could then influence Red Guardian. He would basically do whatever she would want, right? She's the strategist. Yeah. So she could manipulate him and Yelena because she's kind of just like new in the world, right? So there's a, there's, you have some, she definitely has some power in that position that she's in right now. And so like, yeah, do you trust that power? Like, what does she do with it in that eight years? That's a good call. I feel like so much of this story was about getting you know, these black widows to a place where they had their own free will and, and to walk that back in, in a future story would, would, I don't, that's not really something I would like to see, but the way that they wrote Melina, it's totally possible. You know, it leaves those threads open because, you know, the bringing up the stuff with the pig and then just so many other of her mannerisms, like she's, she's very clinical. And, And with her saying, you know, at the one point to Natasha, you know, like, asking her almost incredulously, you know, like, how did you keep your heart? As if to say that, because mine is fucking way gone. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And just so many of her mannerisms, and, and a lot of it comes off as funny, you know, when, when like, she shoots the stuff down mm-hmm. and, it, and it causes the turbine to fall and she just yeah. matter-of-factly radios it. Or at the end when they come link it, limping up and they come yeah. and she's like, I am clearly injured. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and so all that reads to me that she probably is quite a bit of a sociopath but it's like she also has these connections to these people around her in the way that the movie wraps up it, it leads you to believe that she's going to be the you know going to be doing the right thing because you know she fought and bled for it you know just then but i i just feel like with so much of this movie being about getting all these women to a place where they have free will and control over their own lives to me it would just be i'd rather see him do something else than walk that back and then retread this same ground again. There's so many different things you can do with with you know people that have these skill sets yeah. that these black widows do. Mm-hmm. The, it's like we already did this in the first movie. Let's do something different mm-hmm. and and not walk back something that was the you know the overarching theme of this first movie. Getting these yeah. free will. Once, once she can't afford that fancy pig feed anymore, though, <laughs> she's gonna come along. <laughs> Is Melina gonna Melina? Like we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I feel like there are still going to be people that would want to take advantage of like this, you know, sleeper army. Like maybe Ross mm-hmm. would want to ha- be in control of this army. And, you know, I mean, to, to find out that, uh, that there's all these, these widows out there. I don't know. I just don't know if it's like maybe everything. Valentina. And that's why she's trying to recruit and get Yelena on well, board so she can get access to information or something. Well, we'll talk about Valentina later. I definitely want to be, I definitely want to talk about her later. I don't know. I, it's just, it, it just seems crazy that it's all tied up in this, this nice little bow that all the mm-hmm. widows are freed and now it's, that's, that's, that's over. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like it's, 
it's too the easy. The movie leads you to believe that the relationship that she formed with Natasha that's later reestablished in this timeline is kind of what yanks her to the side of good. But I agree with you. Is that Did she use Natasha yeah. as an ends to uh, a way to take control of the Red Room? Like, yeah, okay, we're going to go through this plan together. But at the end of the day, I'm in control of most of this plan, and it's going to take out Dracoff. And Dracoff didn't run the Red Room the way it should be run. I'm going to be the one that runs this the way it should be run. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's how it's going to play out, but she is Iron Maiden in the comics, which is an arch nemesis to, and it would be kind of an interesting, you know, um, sequel if they had Florence Pugh taking on, you know, her mother in the next movie. I don't know. I like it. The gray is definitely there, and I thought that's what made this such an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a question for you. In this movie, at the beginning, uh, we've got uh, Ross hunting down... Black Widow after, you know, uh, her breach, uh, her, her switch, uh, you know, she was, she was part of Team Cap and then she broke the Sokovia Accords and then she went to Team Cap and he's talking to her over the phone and he says, you know, you broke the Sokovia Accords and then he said, you assaulted the king of Wakanda. Question. How does General Ross have that information? How does Thunderbolt, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, who told him that she assaulted the king of Wakanda, which we saw in Civil War? There is there is the moment where she flips and then she 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 shoots it uh, at, at 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 T'Challa and stuns him and then and then takes off and leaves. Now, who who mm. now who's who, the narc on Tony's side? Who well <laughs> is is this setting up? Is this possibly setting up? Somebody being a, uh, an informant for General Ross. Could it be that Ross has somebody supplying him information that is a, that is a, that is a scroll? Who would, I like the scroll idea. Here's the, I like the idea of Ross being the scroll too. Well, here's the thing, like, like Ross, I don't think, I don't think Ross is a scroll. Ross, like, this is, Ross has just had like, uh, you know, like, Natasha in this one talks about how he had, you know, what are you on? Like, your fifth triple bypass surgery or whatever. And then like, even in, uh, when we see him again, I think it was in Infinity War, he talked about how he had, like, five months before had like a heart attack. So like, he's, I think he's in bad health, which I think eventually will lead him to get, uh, some sort of like a gamma, yes, uh, gamma radiation exposure to to stay alive, and he's going to become the Red Hulk. I think that'll happen later mm-hmm. on down the road. But but uh, but for now, like, could he have like an informant? Maybe, possibly, like somebody within the Avengers that we're going to find out in Secret Invasion has always been a scroll that's telling him these things. Because I can't believe that T'Challa himself would report it to General Ross that he was attacked by Black Widow. Ross got this information somehow from someone. Who is supplying information to Ross? I'm sure there was some sort of you know, like 
reports that had to be filed or you know, debriefing it's just or something a- that had to go down after it. And they were like, well, how did, how did Captain, you know, how did Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes get away? Like, well, you know, and then, you know, they just probably just broke down to him. This is what happened. You know, we thought, we thought Natasha was on our side and the last minute she turned and she attacked, you know, to, to T'Challa and, and here we go. Okay. It's yeah, just, my, it's just my thought was cameras. To it. Maybe cameras. Maybe cameras. You know, it's like an airfield. They have a bunch of cameras, and they're in. They're in that open, um, like hangar almost, right? Where, yeah. like, they're about like one of them is about to escape, and she zaps him. Yeah, maybe it's they have like cameras. security footage, and she like they see them go in there, and they see him go down. Maybe like he did something <laughs> to let them get away. I don't know. And that is not as an exciting answer as a scroll, though. I do not. <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> that is not as cool. I Maybe think. the camera was a scroll. I don't know. Um, the camera was a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I lean towards Joe. I think it was just a general debriefing after the fact. I mean, that is how they got away because of that happening. So I, I think word probably got around. I'm just looking for like, what is going to make secret invasion interesting? What is, you know, like what is going to make secret invasion interesting? There's got to be somebody that we, that we've been introduced to and somewhere along the line, they've been switched out and they've been a scroll this whole time. And we didn't know. I mean, that's, what's got to make, Mm-hmm. Or is it just like secret? It was Agatha all along kind of vibes of like, oh, yeah. this whole time they've been doing all these things. Yeah, like that's what it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I. Or is secret evasion just going to be the fact that you know they're? It's going to be is it going to be a John Carpenter kind of like love letter to They Live, where Roddy Roddy Piper puts on glasses and finds out that scrolls have been here the whole time since 1995. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's here for that. Well, I Jake, I, I think that the, I think I'm I'm here for that too, where they've been living among us. But on the flip side. Living among us also means that they could be inhabiting kind of like the person, like the, uh, they could be living as characters that we've been following. And we're, we're just unaware of this. Now here's the whole thing. Like I remember like after Black Widow died on Vormir, you know, she sacrificed herself, you know, for the soul stone so that way we could get like, you know, another infinity stone. I remember when that happened, people were saying, oh, Black Widow, maybe she was a scroll and it wasn't really her. I keep thinking to myself like that, if that turns out to be true and she just ends up coming back, um, I hate that because it's like, the Black Widow that had like that 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 battle between Clint and they're having all this dialogue back and forth, like that doesn't fit with like what a scroll would do or say, and it also doesn't fit with like the fighting style. I don't feel like um, a scroll would be able to to just be able to fight. Am I wrong here, Jake? Would a scroll, unless it's a no, soup? No, you're right. You're right. The only thing it would explain is why she doesn't really know what happened in Budapest. So uh, right. other than that, it yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I just can't see a scroll being able to fight like her. That's years of training right there. Not even a super scroll. So They would really have to pinpoint when the switch happened with a flashback that would make a lot of sense. And that would take yeah. a lot of work. That's going to be the, the trick mm-hmm. with Secret Invasion is making it make sense chronologically when these switches happen. Because I'm right there with you. I think the fun of it is that 
characters we know have been scroll since X amount of time and finding out when that X amount of time is. Yeah. Um, let's jump in. <laughs> we're just getting into, I feel Super like we, invasion. well, I, well that, and I feel like we're just like, we've got our like conspiracy theory, tin hats on, right? Tinfoil hats on right now. <laughs> For sure. Um, I got questions about, and I got, a, I, <laughs> I got an email here. Um, from, it's not an email. Actually, Stephen Farshi just messaged me and he said, Hey man, I usually, I don't usually do this, but I was wondering if you could bring up the stuff between Captain America and Red Guardian. Why did he say he fought him in 48, 49 when Cap was in the ice? Now, first off, that's not correct. He said he fought him in 83 or 84. Um, but anyway, Stephen goes on to say, did he just miss Remember, or was it possibly a William Burnside tease? Can't wait to listen to the episode. Anyway, yeah, talking about William Burnside, who is another Captain America. Um, hold He's on. Making that shit up. Well, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, that's one possibility. So anyway, there, in the movie, there's a scene where Red Guardian is in prison. And he's arm wrestling and he's telling this story as he's just, you know, beating people left and right in, in, in arm wrestling. He says, so I have the nuclear, the, so I have the nuclear code, but there he is, Captain America. Finally, the Red Guardian's time has come. I grab hold of his shield and face to face, it's a test of strength. The shield that he carries with him like a precious baby blanket. I use it to my advantage. I take it. I push him out the window. I make my my escape. So the he says that the 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 inmate questions him and he and asks him when this was and he said eighty three eighty four, and the inmate says basically that that couldn't have happened. Cap was still under the ice and and we know that Captain America was still in the ice between nineteen forty five to two thousand eleven. So. If you read online, we can actually go straight to the source. There was an interview uh, that David Harbour and Kate Shortland had with Inverse, and they both had slightly different answers. David Harbour said, I will say they are absolutely true, 100%. He says, part of the fun thing about Alexi is that I wasn't interested in reality. He doesn't even know that he's lying. Harbor, who is working, who was a working character actor before he landed the role of Jim Hopper on the Netflix Stranger Things, says he's played a handful of characters who lie. And he says, sometimes as an actor, I'll have to know the reality because I'll know if the character is lying. But Alexi simply believes this stuff is true. Director Kate Shortland believes both are true, both that Alexi is lying and that he's telling the truth. Shortland hides whether there is a real canonical answer. She goes on to say, I want to see Alexi and Captain America together. If we saw them together now, I think we know what would happen. I don't want to see Alexi poo his pants. I think that's what would happen. You'd find this little boy in the corner crying his eyes out. Um, Harbor adds that Alexi is prone to confabulation for reasons that remain unknown. There's a thing, confabulation, where people actually just believe their lies to a degree that even when confronted with reality, they can't process it. 
It doesn't make sense to them. I think Alexei is very much the same way. He lives this reality completely independent of what other people have seen or heard. So, first off, this guy is kind of like an egomaniac. Um, like, it's crazy. I mean, you've got this these girls who, like, live these three years, and they love these three years in Ohio, and, like, when we see him and they escape and... He fucking makes his way to Cuba and he sees Drakoff again. They hug. He's like, Oh my God, I'm done. Am I done with the undercover stuff? I need to get back out there. I need to get back out there in action. He loved his time as the Red Guardian. He hated this shit. And like, these are like some of like the best moments in these girls' lives. Like, this is like what they look back on fondly. And, oh my God, there's parts of this character. I, I fucking hate Red Guardian sometimes, but I fucking find him hysterical and I love him in other moments, which is super fucked up. <laughs> Um, same. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> exactly the same. Character. He's yeah. a very complex character. Like you know, like the fact that like when he when they break him out of prison and he's they they, they got the doll there. Like they had to have known that this guy, of course, is going to fucking pull that string because he's got to hear himself talk that, as that figure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's what causes the head to pop yeah. off, which shows him that there's the earpiece and everything. And he's just like an egomaniac. The first time he's able to sit back and actually talk to Natasha for the first time in 20 years, he's asking, did Captain America ask about me? Like, Fuck off, dude. Oh, my God. But it's funny. It's funny the way that it plays out. Um, I want to get back to this whole, like, did he actually fight Captain America thing here in a second? But what you guys, did you guys enjoy the prison break scene? Um, the, the, like, uh, what were some of your favorite parts of the prison break scene? I, I loved when Natasha did the pose. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. And it's it's yes. noticed by Yelena, and she calls her a poser. I thought that whole thing that the MCU is is finally the MCU is finally caught up on acknowledging how stupid that fucking pose is. You know, Deadpool's yeah. made fun of it, and now finally the MCU is embracing making fun of it. I thought that that was super cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. And when they show when Yelena, Yelena like doing it, it. <laughs> she's like this thing. Why do you do? <laughs> why do you pose like this with her hair and stuff? It's like was top notch. Yeah. And when she when she gets annoyed with the guy, the the chain gun, and she just is like, no autopilot, and then like grenade launcher to the thing. Oh, it's just like, oh, that was so good. super cool. <laughs> so Kay, what what were you saying, Kay? I, I love how. Hold on, Kay had something to say, guys. No, no, it's just like when Yelena actually does the pose herself and then she stands up and goes, oh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That was that. I fucking, I, I died at some of the shit that she was saying. I think she, her and Red Guardian kind of like stole the comedic shit for me yes. in this yeah, movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was, was when she got Natasha to admit that the vest was cool. Yes. I know it's so yes. cool, right? And it has so many pockets. Oh my Well, that's the same vest if you, when we're going into yes. Infinity War, yeah, that's yeah. the same vest that she's wearing. Yeah, that's that's, so re- cool. that's really cool that they did that. I love the prison escape. It actually had my favorite Yolina moment when that right after Black Widow does the superhero pose and she dispatches a bunch of guys and Yolina's just kind of badly flying the helicopter and uh Black Widow's like, How's it going? And she goes, Oh, we're both doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so I, I, so I thought fun. that character was just so much fun. Like the movie did such a great job of making me very excited to see her next appearance, and and you know if her character is going to have evolved since we we've, we've seen her in this movie. So I hope she never kind of loses that quirkiness and sense of humor that they gave her. When are we seeing her in? that post credit scene. So that we're, we're led to believe that that's probably 2024, 2023, 20. Yeah. Probably 2023. Correct. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's post end game, isn't it? It's so. post end game. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's as far out as far from home. So it's probably definitely post end game. Now here's the thing. Like how long has she been working for Val? Oh, let's talk about that later. Let's talk about that later. Let's get back to this fucking Alexi captain America thing. So Joe, everybody, does it just make sense that he was lying or could, could he have actually? I, I think so. I think in this timeline, mm. he is boastful Alexi. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> I, but, but then it does also give you pause that, that he's asking Natasha, like, did he talk about me? And it's like, but okay, he does. If he's so wrapped up, is it like the George Costanza thing where, you know, yeah. if you truly believe it, it's not a lie. There's, well, you know, <laughs> so, he did, you know he did. it could be that. <laughs> He did. He did squeeze himself back into his uh, costume and go. See, it still oh. fits. It was definitely delusional. Yeah, <laughs> all those noises he was making <laughs> from the other room when he was getting into that—that that was so mm-hmm. funny. That conversation that he had with Natasha about, you know, did he say anything about me? To me, that kind of solidified the lie. At that point, it was like, did he even acknowledge my existence? Does he even know who I am? Does he even know me? <laughs> yeah. There are a ton of theories that are popping up though on the internet about like. If this did happen, what is it like? How did it happen? Like some people were saying, like, was it a time displaced Captain America? Which makes no sense as far as like Captain America returning in time to return the stones that he would meet the Red Guardian while returning one of the stones, especially in 83 or 84. That just doesn't make sense. Um some people are saying maybe this wasn't the first time that Captain America was replaced. Like maybe Captain America was replaced, you know, sometime in the, in the eighties. And, you know, that would be like, if, you know, maybe that would be like the William Burnside that Stephen Farshid was like, you know, asking about, um, Val, remember Val at the end of the Falcon and winter soldier said, uh, things are going to get weird. What did she mean by that? Is, is did John are, are the John Walker and the this possible Thunderbolts team are they traveling back in time and trying to make heroes look bad? I I don't think that that's the case. I'm just throwing everything out there. Um, it feels like she's assembling like an anti Avengers. Like you got the fake Captain America, you got the non Black Widow. It's yeah. Like- I, yeah, I That's think it's, what it feels like to me. It's well, I mean, it eventually it was like in the comics you had like the Thunderbolts that were led by Baron Zemo. Then the Thunderbolts became like um, uh, later on uh, Norman Osborn was the leader, and then they turned into the Secret Avengers. So I um, another theory I'm hearing is that maybe it was Loki pretending to be Steve Rogers after he lost another bet to Thor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. That's the best one yet. Another uh, one. Maybe it was all Captain. the Loki's just getting beat up all the time. Maybe it was Captain Britain. You know, it's still red, white, and blue. And maybe Alexia's just like, oh, it's still like a Western. Superhero. Right. So 
Yeah. <laughs> same thing. Got it confused with Captain Britain. The, some people are saying, you know, like, could it have been Isaiah Bradley, who at that time would have been out of prison? Now, and we. Uh, what's crazy about those two is that they were both sent to to prison for a while, but. Isaiah Bradley was, you know, he released and like, I don't think that he would bring himself out of retirement after he faked his death to, to fight Red Guardian in any timeline. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't think he'd me. ever be putting that red, white, and blue suit on again. So I'm with you, Jake. I think, I think he's lying, but man, if they ever, if we ever get like a, a Red Guardian Disney Plus series and there's a flashback to this. <laughs> Of him fighting some version of Captain America or somebody he believes is Captain America. Cause honestly, if he ever fought Steve, game over, man. There's no way. Oh yeah, that would be, if this was revealed to not be a lie, I want it to be completely the opposite of the way, um, he's talking about it. You know, I, yeah. I want it to be an embarrassing story between him and Cat beating each other. <laughs> yeah, cause he got his ass handed to him by Taskmaster. Oh God, yeah. Do you? Uh, how did you feel about the uh, Taskmaster kind of uh, mirroring people um, in this? Do you think that it was it was done well? We saw a little bit of like um, the Black Panther claws. We saw a little bit of the archery with Hawkeye. Of course, we saw a lot of Black Widow and Yelena. Um, ton of Captain America. Some Captain America with the shield throwing. What, what do you think? Do you think uh, maybe even Spider Man a little bit with uh, the way that uh, you know uh, Taskmaster was kind of like flipping around and shit like that? How how do you think that that played out, or do you think it could have been done better? I think that it was it was serviceable, but I don't know. Maybe upon like sec, you know, like excuse me, like fourth, fifth, sixth watch, I'll notice even more. But I, I'd say serviceable is a really good description yeah. because, I mean, they they could have done all that so much better. Um, they, they did show us little bits and little glimpses of, of the fighting styles. But I felt like, you know, if if you are featuring this villain who his whole deal is he can mimic any fighting style, it's like, well, then why aren't we having a lot more and longer fighting scenes with this? And, you know, and, th- and that's more into where I thought they could have done better with that taskmaster character. Yeah. Um, and, and so much of it was just watching it. I mean, and, and then on the second viewing, like I, I felt like it was a little bit more glaring where I just kept watching it. And I'm like, this is clearly a guy in this stunt man, you know, co- in this costume, this is a stunt man in this costume, or if it is a woman, then they've just got this suit built so much that it, it just looks like the frame of a guy. And, you know, then there was that one CG shot later on where, you know, she didn't have the mask on, and it just looked like it looked like you know Beetlejuice at the end of the movie with the shrunken head guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like the head just looked so much smaller than the body. Right. Um, but uh, so I really think they they could have done that stuff a lot better. I think they could have done the costume a lot better. Me too. And, and, and the mask also. I thought the mask was a little bit. It was almost weird. It was like, is this a skull? Or, or is this kind of like a, it was almost like a cross between a, a skull and a weird smiley face that's about to go out and go skiing. What was up with that one widow that said smile and she was making the smiley face on it? Yeah, that was kind of odd. Yeah. That was a weird shot, yeah, wasn't it? Like if they were controlled, was, was that Drakeoff doing that or? <laughs> Probably because he's a master creep. 
<laughs> he even makes his people be creepy because that's just his, that's what he wants to put out there. But I don't know. Oh, yeah, it had yeah. teeth. What is with Marvel and like Ultron teeth? And then that had like teeth of the skull teeth. Like, what? No. Yeah, it, that was weird. That was weird. I don't know. I, 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 I wasn't the biggest fan of the, of the costume. Um, that they decided to go with the final, because I think like if you look at like the some of like the video game and and comic book and animated stuff from uh, Taskmaster, I think it does look, I think it does look cooler. But whatever. I love Joe's ski mask description. I think that's spot on. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into another big question I have for you guys: is the end of the movie? Um. You've got the widows showing up in the jet. They take Melina and Yelena and uh, Red Guardian, and they go off. And it is now Ross, General Ross. Uh, Red Room uh, slash Cloud City has fallen from the sky. And uh, you got General Ross showing up there to what we think uh, he's showing up to apprehend Black Widow after all this. So she sticks around. And, um, I actually, I'm going to read this article from yahooentertainment.com and it says, Black Widow ends with Natasha standing amid the wreckage of the Red Room. Her family and the other widows safely away, uh, safely away as black government SUVs approach. Then the movie cuts to black before giving us a brief two weeks later epilogue scene in which Natasha's smuggler pal gives her a Quinjet. How did she get away? We don't know. You don't know. And Black Widow Kate director Kate Shortland doesn't know. Here's what she told us when we asked her about this confusing scene. Quote, that was intentional because we wanted to leave the question of how would she get away rather than allow the audience to get exhausted by another fight. Director Kate Shortland told the rap. We wanted to leave you guys on a high with the question of how did she use her ingenuity? Because she did, and it was probably, I would say, she bargained her way out of that situation. But I don't know. Um, what we would normally take away from this is that we'll find out what happened there in a later movie. Perhaps when we catch up with Yelena in the Hawkeye show on Disney+. Plus. But since the events of Black Widow will be very old news in the present narrative, it takes place about seven years before Avengers Endgame. When the F-year time skip ha- happened, uh, it doesn't seem like a, like a topic that will have much reason to come up. But if it is something that Clint would probably end up knowing about, so if there's any place where this whole deal might get cleared up, it's on Hawkeye. So yeah, there's this whole scene at the end where Ross and these black SUVs are showing up uh, to to what we believe is going to ap- try to apprehend um, Black Widow, and then it just cuts to black, and then we get two weeks later. How did she get out of that situation? How did she get out of that situation? What happened there? I got I've got I've got theories, but I I, I don't have answers. I got theories. Hmm. I like disguised the herself idea. as a... Hold on. We got two people talking at one time. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say... Well, I was making a dumb joke. I was going to say she disguised herself as a piece of debris. And- <laughs> That's... Guys... We, floated away. Guys, guys, if you haven't listened to the Loki episode, that makes no sense. So I should have asked Jake what his thoughts were here. 
<laughs> I just I like the idea of her bargaining. It seems like she was pretty not ready to get into another scuffle or fight. I find it hard to believe that it was an action sequence that got her out of that situation. Yeah. I think she had to have had something to bargain with, with Ross about. I mean, it, she did bring down the Red Room. They were going to be finding out a lot of information there. Maybe they could let her slide that one time because of the good deed she just did. Okay, so, hold on. Um, no, go ahead, Kay. Yeah, I think probably a bargaining thing. So, what? look, this is what I've just done. I've just brought this thing down from the sky. Do you really want to have to fight me? What? Like, Well, hold on. What, uh, what does she have to bargain here? Okay, hold on. Let me... Maybe she's playing it both and giving out the, the location of some of the Black Widows. Maybe there was more information than just the Black Widow locations uh, that she took. I don't know if I'd want to give Ross locations of where Black Widows are. That's the last guy yeah. I want to, well, to give information to. She's still a fugitive in Infinity War also. So that leads yeah. me to believe that maybe she didn't bargain. I mean, maybe it was something where, you know, she did just kind of, I mean, there's a lot of wreckage there that she could have hid out behind and dodged around and, you know, eventually gotten away. My, my biggest question why didn't she is, just leave? Why didn't she fly away in, in the jet with them? The, the, like, right. Okay. okay. It makes no sense that she would have hid. <laughs> <laughs> she, she'd been playing a lot of Metal Gear Solid, okay? And she just really wanted to practice, like, sneaking around. <laughs> yeah. My biggest question is why didn't she just fly away with them? That, well, yes. Okay. So she stayed for a reason. She definitely wanted to talk to Ross about something. Which is usually to get information, right? Like that's her superpower. One of her superpowers is getting data, knowing things, and being a spy about it, right? So yeah, like there has to be something that she wanted to get out of Ross. Okay. Like, didn't she even say like I'm gonna I'll stall them while you guys leave? What? Well, well, one part of one part. One thing that I was thinking here for a moment, I was thinking that, you know, maybe she has like, maybe she was going to work out this uh, deal where, you know, she gets Ross in touch with Melina so that way he can mass produce this red dust antidote that will free the widows and uh, it'll make him look good and also... On the flip side, we'll expose a ton of these crooked politicians that were involved with Drakoff and using widows over the years, which would then elevate him. Oh, yeah. Because, like, uh, mm. you know, think about this. Oh, by the good. by, the time we are in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we don't know what Ross is. There's been yeah. rumors of Ross actually being the president of of the United States of America by that time in 2023. Did, well. did he expose so many, uh, crooked politicians after the Red Room and Drakoff that it kind of like made him kind of like this American hero and now he is, uh, he is the president or, or, or very high up, uh, in authority in America. I don't know if that's the case. I have no idea. Um, but here's the thing. Why haven't we heard uh, anything about the widows? Why haven't why haven't the American public or anyone for that matter heard about the red room crashing down to the ground? It it makes me believe that something happened here. There's a cover up. There's definitely a cover up. If anything, if if that information has not gotten out to the public, which that makes more sense to me. 
that there's some sort of a cover up here. And maybe she kind of like said, listen, you know, um, I'll let you guys like sweep this under the rug. I will never speak about this again. And, uh, just kind of like, you know, I'll be leaving now. And I don't know. I have no idea, but, um, I I like to think she's gotten information off of him like she did in the red room when she said, thank you for your cooperation. So like throwing back the Avengers, like that's how she interrogates. That's how she interrogates people. Yeah. She got information out of him, but like, and so then did she just, I mean, she's, she's fucking the Black Widow. She gets information out of him and then she probably just got out of there, right? Hightailed it out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Look how she did it in Avengers. It was like, I'm busy interrogating and it's like, oh, fine, I, I'll finish this up now. And then she yeah. just, you know, gets on with it. <laughs> so the next, Joe, do you have any theories about this? Cause like it is, it is one of those things where I feel like, this is one of those things where I feel like it has to be answered. I don't know, Jake. Do you feel like it has? I feel like this has to be answered. It's a, it's a, it I has it, because it's Ross, and I think Ross is like going to be a big part of like what's going forward in the MCU. I really feel like Ross is like going to be a, 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 a. I think that Val, Julia Louise Dreyfus' character of Val, who you know we all know from the comics as Madame Hydra, I think she works directly under Ross. And so I make a lot of sense. So I think that like this scene is important. And even like, even if it's not like, even if we don't get to see what happens here, maybe we Ross will tell us in a future, you know, Marvel project or something that, uh, you know, Oh yeah, there was that time when the red room crashed, blah, blah, blah. And this is what happened. And, you know, maybe he'll be telling that to you or Yelena will find out this information, later on down the road in a future Disney plus series or a future movie. But I think like, this is important. We need to know what exchange there was an exchange of words or information or something that happened here in this moment. And it's fucking going to drive me crazy until we figure it out. Well, if there was 7,000 to 10,000 widows in play in the world, Imagine what an asset a, a man like Ross would would think that is. Oh, I mentioned that earlier, man. And, yeah. And if you're giving all those people their freedom and you give them the free will of, you know, hey, you've got this particular set of skills. Mm-hmm. If you want to use those to do to do right, to try and, you know, clear out some of that red that's in your ledger from the time that you were brainwashed working for the Red Room, you could go, you know, be part of this soldier team that, that this Ross guy's putting together and he'll pay in stuff. Well, think about this, Joe. Like, even though some people are freed, they don't know what to do with that freedom. They're only used yeah. to living one life. So maybe there's a group of mm-hmm. widows that are just like, we don't, I mean, yeah, thanks for freeing us, I guess, but <laughs> we don't know yeah, what. Yeah, this is what we do. This is what we, we do. To work for. <laughs> My resume says I'm an assassin because those are the only things I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to apply at Starbucks. What are you good at? Garroting uh, targets. <laughs> like, <laughs> hopefully sneaking through and, like, annihilating your coffee machine. You know? Like, it's like, that's, yeah, there's only one thing. They, they literally were taught from their, like, very young age like, yeah. how to do. I've like, got to think that there's some widows that don't want to fucking just, like, be, like, integrated into society. They can't do it. Mm-hmm. They're just like, this is the only life they know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like and, that, that and joke that they're about good at the, it. 
<laughs> and they're fucking good at killing people. Right? They're like, I'm also really good. I'm so really like, fucking, <laughs> you know, I was telling you how good I was and I fucking killed you during that conversation. You're dead. Yes. You're not even hearing what I'm saying right now. I'm so glad that I'm good. I'm so good. I'm too good. I'm, I'm too so good, good at this. One. I'm so good at this. <laughs> I gotta apply again. Talking to a dead body right now, telling them how good I am. Well, like, but, but to your point, why include him in this movie at all? At all. If he's not, I get that. that well, right? I get that he was a big part of the Sokovia Accords and you know coming down on um, you know uh, people uh, uh, super people with superpowers and things like that. That and here's the here's the thing. Ross is Ross is just scared of of fucking people that have superpowers. He's just intimidated by this. Like, think about this. Like, this is like uh, uh, this is our government. Our government basically has just found out that aliens have come down. The Chitari have attacked us. There's fucking people with with uh, armor with tech that they don't have. Uh, you know, Iron Man. There's fucking Captain America coming out of the ice. Thanos is snapping his fucking fingers and killing half of everything. Uh, um, he just finds out that you know. Uh, that the most powerful nation on the planet is Wakanda. They have, they're the most powerful nation on the planet now. Like, these are people in the government that have just lost control of all this power that they thought that they had. And so he's freaking out. So this is def- he's not going away. Ross is not going away. It's not like it's not like the government is just going to stop here and not going to want to try to control this. And I think like this is why we're getting this post-credit scene. Um let's jump into this post-credit scene. So after everything happens, we see Yelena uh show up to the gravesite of Natasha and she's got a dog with her and the dog's name is Fanny, which is a callback to Fanny Longbottom. From the beginning with Rick Mason. Oh shit! I didn't. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, Ot okay. Ot nice. Fagben, uh, Fagbenley. His character uh, gave her like fake identification, and it was Fanny Longbottom. So, just kind of a funny callback to that. And we get Julia uh, Louise Dreyfus. She shows up as Val, and uh, she was in episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and she says to Yelena, maybe you'd like a shot at the man responsible for your sister's death, and shows her a picture of Clint Barton. So now this sets up the Hawkeye series coming to Disney Plus, and it was, it was revealed months ago that actor Florence Pugh was going to be in at least one episode of the series. That news broke on Variety. We talked about it many months ago. Um, so anyway, we saw Val in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She shows up to recruit John Walker, who is played by Wyatt Russell. Um, so basically he had killed a flag smasher in broad daylight while he was being recorded by people out in the street. And she meets him after all the, uh, after all these events. And she tells him that he did the right thing. Uh, she knew he took the super soldier serum, which is something that he didn't tell Literally, I don't think he told many people, just like people close to him. And she also said that Cap Shield doesn't belong to the government, but it was in a legal gray area. And then she says things are about to get weird. And then we see Walker walk out and he's wearing the black U.S. agent outfit. So this 
feels like they're setting up a Thunderbolts team, which we've speculated many times in the past, and that she's probably working directly under General Ross. And um, I think, I, again, I think, like, with him having, like, the heart attack and Black Widow saying stuff about, like, you know, what triple bypass surgery are you on now, I think he's not healthy. I think eventually... And I don't think he's going to be a part of like maybe this first Thunderbolts team, but I think later on down the road, I think he will get exposed to some sort of like gamma radiation that will make him Red Hulk. But I do think oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, but I do think that uh, we will get like a Hulk like character on this Thunderbolts team. I think they are setting up Abomination. To be a part of this Thunderbolts team, um, we know from the Shang-Chi trailer that he is in Madripoor, and he's fighting in the tournament, and he's fighting one of the uh, sorcerers, like, you know, the, maybe possibly Wong. Maybe he's on the team already, like Yelena, and General Ross has entered him in the tournament to try to win the Ten Rings. That makes sense. He's kind of a bizarro Hulk, too, just like we have a bizarro Black Widow and a bizarro Captain America. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, we also know that uh, General Ross has been keeping tabs on Enhanced Humans because it was revealed in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier credits imagery where we see some excerpts of documents. And there was one document that said, you know, like at the end of the... Falcon and Winter Soldier, you see all these documents and all this, you know, like uh, walls in Madripoor that say, like, the power broker is watching. All these flashes of images. Well, one of those images was uh, an excerpt of a document, and it said, according to Thaddeus Ross, all information regarding the Enhanced Humans Act has been reported to be classified by Major Donovan of Special Unit. So, who's recruiting Enhanced Humans? Val. Who's got access to the classified enhanced human files? General Ross. Val is probably working for Thaddeus Ross. He is keeping tabs on enhanced humans and he's recruiting them, I believe, to be a team that's going to try to take down the Avengers but okay, I so yeah, thoughts. I, I apologize, I'm rambling. I really think that if when Val showed up in the cemetery and she showed that picture of Hawkeye to Yelena, she yes. said, "Here's your next target." Yeah, and so it's like, okay, how long have you been working for Val? And if Val is indeed working for Ross, then that supports the theory that maybe Ross and Natasha did cut some sort of deal. Because, you know, if Yelena's now working for Ross, maybe Melina's working for him, too. I mean, so maybe that does add some credence to that theory we had earlier. Why is Val focused on taking out Clint Barton, though? What do we know about Clint? He went Ronin. He went Ronin. He was going around killing Yakuza. And he's, you know, we see him, uh, you know, he kills yeah. Hiroyuki Sonata and... In but, yeah, maybe Val's got connections to one of the crime groups that, you know, Clint destabilized. Maybe she tried to recruit Clint and he said no. Oh, that could have been it too. And she'd know that maybe he could, he could stand in the way of whatever they're doing since he was one of the original Avengers that's still left. Yeah. And he probably doesn't want, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's, he probably doesn't want 
her to talk to Clint because Clint really knows how she died. Mm-hmm. He really knows the truth. He knows how she died. But and, and you know, of course, the picture that she she shows Yelena mm-hmm. is the pic of him in his Ronin outfit. Um. And also, because, like, we have to think about that like, the Hawkeye series is coming up, right? And, like, knowing it's based on the comics or it's going to have some kind of pieces there, like, maybe he he learns some information or gets a hold of something that he's, yeah, he's going to expose or going to do something with. And so they very quickly have to, like, pivot and take him out. And what better way to do that than a widow or an ex-widow? Who who also can have a, a personal grudge against against him because he's not you can't just like send any random person after him right like it has no. to be like has to be somebody who's really good and yeah she's like one like the best child killer of whatever <laughs> like, she's the there, best there you're the best you. child assassin ever of all time exactly I'm sorry right. I, I didn't sound I didn't sound like Drakeoff I sounded <laughs> I didn't sound like Red Guardian I sound like Borat there. Um, <laughs> you are the best child assassin I've ever seen. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> best assassin. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, who knows? I, you know, um, I'm just trying to figure out, like, why Val is focused on taking out Clint Barton. Like, what's the, what is her, what is, like, why? Why is Clint, she, they, she obviously feels that Clint's a threat. Could that be coming from Ross? Could it be Ross's directive to take Clint out? Yeah, well, Clint was part of like you know uh, the group that were that were in that were trapped on the uh, what was that that ship called? Not the island. Well, he had been on the he had been on the raft. It was the raft. He had been on house arrest though, also, and so he was kind of yeah. serving out his parole just like uh, Scott Lang did. Yeah, yeah. But does it say exactly when that cutscene happens in Black Widow? Is I, it happening at the same time as Falcon and Winter Soldier? Is it happening before or after? It's, well, it's after, it's definitely after. I mean, it's we've seen the picture of, of Ronan, Clint Barton. So it's it's definitely it's uh, by the time we're uh, in 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 Endgame, we've done a five year time jump from 2018 to 2023. So it's it's after it's definitely after Natasha's death in 2023. Oh yeah, I know that much, but sure. I'm just saying that the Falcon and the Soldiers, like a few months, is it? Yeah. I can't remember the time. Is it a few months? So it could be happening at the same time that this is a big monumental thing that's going on that she's like, right, we are going to get rid of the original Avengers because we have no control over them, which is why she's aiming for. You're right. WandaVision takes place like that, two, so. three weeks after. Yeah. And then I think we're like a couple months two, three months out, I think, and I could be wrong in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I, if you guys yeah. Google it, it's out, it's out there, but, um. Yeah, but there's no actual physical, actual time stamp to say exactly when she's talking. Right. Elena. Yeah. And maybe the placement of that is vital to, to knowing yeah. exactly what the plan is, so. What did you guys think about, um, I don't think, yeah, I guess we're just gonna have to wait for this Hawkeye series to figure out exactly. What's going on here? What did you guys think about like the whole backstory with, um, with Natasha's mother? We find out that, you know, Natasha says at one point in time that her mother, you know, just abandoned her and dropped her off like garbage. We find out that her mother actually was, her mother and father were bought off and her mother wouldn't let it go and continued to try to get her daughter back and then was killed by Drakoff. 
Um, is, 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 is that the end of this? Are we done? Is that all? I mean, we do know, all we know about her father was that in Endgame, when she did meet Red Skull and Vormir, he called her Natasha, daughter of Ivan. So we know her father's name is Ivan. But we don't know anything really about her mother but than what we found out about in this movie. Is that it? It, it? There's nothing else there. Is that just it? Does that end here? Like I think I think there could be more. Um I, I mean they definitely Drakeoff would not tell Natasha her name. It's obvious that he has to know what it is. It was just kind of a move to to frustrate her more by not telling her that. I, I think there could still be something there with that character, with her mom some realization that we're not thinking of quite yet. Maybe Yelena they meets... Did say, yeah, they did say something about like genetically testing people to find out whether they would be yes. suitable for the program. Yes. Yes. She she tested like like uh, if they would... Yeah, they, they, they did some sort of like genetic testing to see if they could like handle the, the Black Widow kind of like um, the program, right? And I guess she tested mm-hmm. really high. And like I'm, I'm glad you guys brought that up because then later when he's like talking through the program, he has this line about, you know, I take all of these girls, these like these that they would throw away that are just garbage, yeah. and I turn them into these beautiful widows. So then I was like really confused by that. So I was like, then, so wait, was she chosen or was she just chosen because she was available? Like that, that just kind of confused me. Like I think I she know. was. T- I think I think the parents were bought off. And it was like, it was like, we're taking her. They were bought off and her mom just wouldn't let it go. There was no amount of money that her mom was willing to settle on to take her child. I mean, we don't know the story there. Like it could have been like this marriage. She could have been a miracle baby for this couple. Like they could have been trying to get pregnant for years and they finally get their daughter and then she's taken from them and the mother can't let it go. It makes me wonder, like, could we ever see like in a future movie, could Yelena... That we've got the month, we've got the name of the father. I'm led to believe that the dad died. I, I think that Ivan's dead. But later on down the road, we don't know anything about the mother. Yelena might encounter the mother later on. She might not be dead. He might have just said she's dead. Right. Right. And then that also implies that Yelena is also like chosen and like, and then also really good amongst that highest tier of like people that are already chosen genetically for this program. Like, right. so it's almost like a, not quite super soldier or like whatever, but it's almost like an enhanced, like this person is built for this, like how Clint can also like hit every arrow kind of thing. Yeah. It's fucked up though. It's cause like, cause there's like this line in this where they basically said like, you know, the widows that can't make it through the programming. So first off they got to, I guess they got to go through this fucking genetic screening. And then on the flip side, like once they go through the training, if they can't make it through the training, he says like one out of 20 don't make it. I think it was Melina that said it one out of 20 don't make it. And they just dispose of them. So like there's been a bunch of these girls that have just been killed as well. Well, yeah, so. you do see a glimpse of like um, a body being covered by a sheet at the very open, the opening credits. Yeah, with mm-hmm. the opening um, sort of montage of, of quite traumatic of, of yes. all these children being kidnapped and transported. And uh, what do you guys think of the really? fucking the cover song that they did 
for uh, that Nirvana uh, smells like King's really beer. well with it was all so good images. Yeah, so I loved good. it. I loved it. I thought um, like Ashley kind of talked about this on her opening, but I thought that went a long way in like making the whole thing really serious, like the kidnapping of these young girls. Yeah, like, they did a good job of not mm-hmm. making that a Marvel jokey thing, and right. just even with that opening montage, making it a very serious, haunting, jarring thing that was happening. Yeah, yeah. And, like, not usually a Disney or a Marvel move. Like, yeah. I, I, I think, like, with that and with uh, with John Walker, you know, being as brutal as he was, like, that, that just, that, it just surprised me lately that it seems that Marvel is trying, is trying to do a little, like, some things a little bit differently or take some more risks and be a little yeah. darker. Yeah. In, in ways that are, like, like, yeah, they showed, like, basically human trafficking of these young girls and, like, implied a lot of, like, you know, not great things like, right. Like uh, you said traumatic, right. It was a great word. Like it was very uncomfortable and like, that's not usually, you know, necessarily their vibe. So it was cool that they went there a little bit, but not too much that it was just like, that took you out of it. It, yeah. it kind of made you, it went through this kind of emotional, like trek through the movie. These are great things. Like, th- there's so much I love about this movie. I hate the fact that I gave it the high taste it, but it's just at the end of the day, I feel like there's, I feel like they could have satisfied both comic book fans and mm. satisfied us as far as like this big reveal of Dracoff's daughter at the end of this. I think they could have done both here. Like, and like it was missing a personal element, right? It was. We never had moments where Taskmaster was like relentless after her necessarily. It was always after the the, the vile or Yelena, and it was always just like ter- like you said, Terminator. I think. Uh, uh, well, we'd already uh, seen uh, the Terminator thing done better Winter with the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like I think that they could have done the exact same thing by having a proper Taskmaster in this movie, and then on the flip side, just kind of being like you know Drakeoff's fucking hired lapdog, you know, to fucking go out, hired assassin to go out there and handle, you know, like um, like what if what if she killed his his like wife or something, you know, and that he was on this like vengeance to not only like learn and be the best, but also like kill her as the primary target like they could they could have made it a personal something that was because even though it was technically personal with her injuring her because she was brainwashed there wasn't any emotion there there was no it was just direction you're being ordered to do this thing Mm -hmm. yeah i i just think they could have revealed antonia uh, Drakeoff at the end of the movie as just being a, just being a widow and not, not just any widow, but like, you know, one of the top widows that would have taken on Black Widow at the end of this movie. And I think that that would have been cool as well. Like, this is the girl that I thought I killed. I'm in a place now where like, I don't feel like I want to attack. This is something that I've dealt with and, um, I, I don't want to attack this person. Then we could have still gotten the same scene of her using the red dust on her. You know, I don't know. It's just one of those, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I think that they could have satisfied both comic book fans and, and people that wanted a, a twist at the end of this movie. Um, I don't think that having her as taskmaster at the end of the movie enhanced anything because I don't think that they brought anything to the taskmaster character that was, interesting other than the fact that she was able to mimic these moves and it wasn't even like mimicking moves in like 
a natural, like, this is my superpower way. It was like, it's like this fucking computer chip in this suit that allows me to do this. Like, everything that we saw was, like, Terminator-based. Like, when you're looking through, like, the helmet and you see what she sees in her visuals, like, the first thing when she sees Natasha, you see all, like, these pinpoints on Natasha's body um, through, like, the, the visor and what she's seeing. And it's basically showing pressure points that she can fucking, you know, hit Natasha in. Uh, that gives her like the best um, strategic way to take Natasha out. And it's, you know, like basically like breaking her clavicle bone and stuff like that. And we see all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, no primary target found the vials. And then she turns around and goes <laughs> yeah. after the vials. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like if they would, have, it would have been cool if they would have introduced a character known as Tony Masters, the Taskmaster, that was just really fucking had the superpower of mimicking moves and shit. That was hired by, you know, Drakoff, and then we still could have got this amazing reveal of Drakoff's daughter being alive and being a widow and being part of this like, you know, a red room experiment. Like he fucking threw his own daughter into this fucking thing after what Natasha did, and Natasha would still feel that same guilt. We've satiated comic book fans with Taskmaster, and we've done the same fucking twist that you wanted to begin with. I don't think combining Taskmaster with this character uh, enhance the story at all. So that's my main gripe with this is I feel like the main villain lacked, had zero personality, Jake. Like I feel like ghost in Ant-Man and Wasp was a way more interesting character than what we got here with Taskmaster. No, I agree. It was just mega disappointing. Um, and I, I like your solution. I think that's just as fine. Um, yeah. I mean, Tony masters makes sense. He could be hired by, you know, Drake off to, yeah train the widows yes and, and do missions it's like the best of both worlds and yeah it would have been really cool to see a fight sequence where black widow gets him with this like left hook punch but then the next time she tries it she can't because he's memorized that move and she'll never be able to get him with that move again like just one moment like that would have been really cool right right yeah yeah uh, I still love the movie though. I'm not gonna lie. I, that my big, that's, that's what dropped it down to a high taste it for me. And that's not even like, that's not a bad rating. I really enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. And it's one that I, like, it's not, I'm not gonna be satisfied just owning this movie. Uh, you know, like on, uh, Disney Plus. I've gotta get a, I gotta get a physical copy of this one. I've gotta get a physical copy of this. I gotta own it, um, uh, here, I, I, I have to own it. So I, I really did enjoy this movie quite a bit. Um, yeah, it's a testament to how good it was that even with the ridiculousness of the Taskmaster stuff, that it was just so enjoyable. Yeah. Um, did you guys- a way to come back in there, right? Like, back into the theaters. Because, like, I, you guys didn't mention it earlier, but, like, sitting in that theater and having the Marvel music go up and, like, I just, like, grabbed my friend's arm and my partner's arm and I was just like, oh, like, yeah, it's chills and it's just like, this was... This was a really good reintroduction back into the roller coaster because we're going to, you know, it's only crazy from here, right? With so many things are coming up. Did you guys notice that, like, remember when we saw the map that showed all the widow locations? Mm-hmm. Zero widows in Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> None of those women are going to get kidnapped. Oh, my God. Can 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 somehow, can we get... A scene of widows versus Dora Milaje. Can we get it somehow? No, no I hope so. 
can that happen somehow? Can we get that scene somehow? I want to see it. That would be amazing. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're fighting, they're fighting, and then something else happens, and then they both have to group up together and then fight something together. No. Fuck that shit. I want to see. I want to fighting the vials. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I just want to see widows. I want to see fucking bare knuckle widows. Dora Milaje. Who wins? All right. It's not like when I go watch a boxing match or a UFC fight and I see Conor McGregor fighting some motherfucker and then they see somebody else they don't like and then they beat that guy up together. No, I don't want to. I want to see who fucking wins. I want to see who fucking wins. <laughs> All their moms will be named Martha, and they'll stop fighting. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wow, you just wrote the movie. <laughs> any uh, guys? Any like? Uh, oh God, I don't want to leave anything out. I feel like I feel like uh, we're probably leaving something out, and that drives me crazy. Um, who was there? Anybody in this movie that you think could have been a scroll? I kept thinking. Question. I kept thinking that. Uh, Rick Mason, O.T. Uh, Fag Benley's character, could be a scroll. Yeah, I could see it. That would explain how he could get the uh, the vehicle, the Quinjet. All that stuff. I feel like all these things that he's getting, he he, he could be turning himself into somebody else and just mm-hmm. fucking leaving with this yeah. shit. I kept thinking, and like, he's always so tired. Maybe changing into people just makes you tired. Yeah, maybe it's it just sleepy. makes you sleepy and shit. <laughs> <laughs> My my friend my friend brought up uh what what if Val is this girl, and then that she's just orchestrating it all from the inside. That's true. That's true. What if what if Val is a scroll? I don't know. That's interesting. What's Rachel Weiss's character's name again? Marina. Melina. 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 Yeah. What? She seems like a real scroll candidate to me, especially with the kind of things she does, like the experiments on the pigs and everything. Yeah, so, why wear the mask though at the end? That. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about the the mask oh, where she yeah. turns herself into Natasha. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I, I, I mean, even if you're a scroll, you could wear that and use it. it does, so I don't know. Yeah, because otherwise you'd be giving yourself away that you can, yeah. you know, change without that mask. We've seen those masks before too, so people don't freak out. It's not like the first time they've been. <laughs> used. Yeah, we saw them in Mission Possible One. Well, we saw. <laughs> <laughs> We saw, well, they were used in, uh, Winter Soldier, um, by Natasha, and then Sharon Carty used it in, uh, The Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we've seen this before. Um, I did want to bring up this. Oh, any final thoughts? I don't want to, like, any final thoughts on this? I don't want to cut anybody off about the movie. Anything you loved, hated, whatever. I really like the dynamic between the main characters. I think it just works so well. Yeah. Completely and utterly. You, you, they were so believable as sisters. Yeah. I, I can't, I like that too. they did and the sort of reactions to things and, yeah. I think you need to do this too, Kay. If, if, if we're gonna have, um, Florence Pugh take over the mantle of Black Widow, you have to have this movie. You have to have those two together for us to see that connection, for us to fucking buy the fact that we're going to have another Black Widow in these movies, possibly. You, we have to yeah. see them together as sisters. I think without this movie, yeah. I would have been a lot more skeptical just seeing Florence Pugh take over as Black Widow in a future movie. But oh, now, yeah. yeah. After seeing her performance in this, like I'm very excited to, to see her as part of the MCU. And, and like what was said earlier, I hope that she brings that quirky sense of humor 
that that you know she had with this character. I hope she brings that along because she was so wonderful in this, and and she had me laughing so much, and she was totally badass in the fight scenes, and 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 she brought all the emotional stuff so well. Um, she was just a she, between her and David Harbor, like they were my favorite parts of this, but for very different reasons. Because it's like I loved Florence Pugh's character, and I really didn't like David Harbour's character, but he was just kind of a funny. <laughs> yeah, hero, yeah. Know? Oh, for sure, dude. Here's my prediction for the Hawkeye series. We know Clint's going to be going deaf in that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Clint's going deaf. Like we we've seen. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Clint's going deaf. They're gonna. It's pulled from the comics. He's going deaf. Mm-hmm. I think she shows up. Well, you know, after this has all happened, she's. I think I think she's going to start kicking his ass. He's not used to not being able, not having his senses and everything. I think she's going to show up, and and, and Yelena's going to start kicking his ass, and then Kate Bishop's going to show up, and it's going to be Kate Bishop versus Yelena Belova, and it's going to be fucking awesome. Oh and I can't God. wait. It's going to yeah, be incredible. Hundred percent. She's definitely going to kick his rad. ass. She has so much motivation to do so. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we're talking about a guy who's fucking like losing his hearing and shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's done a lot in these Marvel movies. Like, if he's not being mind-controlled by Loki and Avengers, he's done a lot. He's proven himself as as an Avenger, in my opinion. Um, with- Do you think eventually the two characters will, will hit it off, though? I mean, they definitely seem like they would have a lot to talk about. Dude, dude, once she finds out the real story of, like, how her sister died, yeah, 100%. And I would love to see... I would love to see, I would love to see like a dynamic, uh, between her and Hawkeye and then her and Kate Bishop. I think it would be super cool. I, I hope she shows up. I hope she's honestly, I hope she shows up and you know, like they do, they do make Yelena a badass when she's fighting Hawkeye, but I do want to see kind of like, um, after everything works out, I, I want to see that sense of humor come back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love that the whole thing was just so much fun to her. Even saying that right before she was speared into that engine. And this was fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're just looking at all that snow. Oh my god. You know what? Like, you know what? This would be a cool way to die. Yeah, exactly. The only thing. A cool way to die. The only thing that could have made that scene better when she fucking, when she's on the wing and she, and, and, and she sacrifices herself and goes flying off and Scarlett Johansson, um, Natasha goes after her. The only thing that would have made that scene a little bit better, in my opinion, is if Natasha didn't think about grabbing um, a parachute and just jumped. Because yeah, because they had her roll through that, yes. that jet on the way. Yes. What if she'd have grabbed a parachute going then? That would have been pretty. Sick. Have her grab it then, dude. Right. Yeah. That'd right? Cool. Opportunity. Yes. That would have been cool. That would have been fucking cooler. The fact, because when she's on, when she's on that red room wing platform and she, when, 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 when Natasha jumps off, she grabs a parachute right before she jumps off. I think it would have been cooler if she just didn't fucking think and just reacted and jumped and just jumped and dove in any other situation for any other character it's fine for her to grab the back for the parachute but for her sister and like what they're trying to establish between those two characters in this movie and like that 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 the family element was real to her i feel like to separate like 
just to even separate her like self from like this Avengers family that she's had that she's replaced her like not her real family but like this this other family that she would have just dove without the parachute and she like and just as you're saying Joe because she does go through that helicopter and I think if there was a parachute there she could have grabbed it there but initially the initial jump if she would have just dove after her sister I think that that would have been cool without the parachute I that's the only thing that, that I think that was cool. missing from that scene in my opinion it, like, like pure instinct yes she just launches yes and it's like oh but then because she's also pure instinct and a secret spy that's like badass as fuck she's gonna see that opportunity yep go for it go through it grab it because yes you are the badass that you are like you've shown it the whole movie yeah here yeah. we go. I, I love that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's, and that's a minor gripe, but I think like is, a little, still, like, yes, it would have made it so much cooler to like, you yeah. know, after you've watched this a few times and like you, you notice that you're like, holy shit, she jumped without a parachute after her sister. Yeah. But that's not what happened. <laughs> she fucking grabbed the parachute. Whatever. <laughs> I want to see with, uh, with Winter Soldier. What's that? I want to see Elena with winter soldier oh my god that and that's what these movies do right it's like yeah we, we, because like they have such a cool story together right yes. like they would get each other mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah, what these I movies do though it's like we get all these characters in these movies and then we get to see them all come together in like the main mm-hmm. event films and that's what we wait for we wait for those moments of like Thor meeting Rocket and Groot, you know, and, and that's, those are the things that, yeah, man, that's, that's the shit that we, that's what we love. That's what we fucking love about this, man. Some of my fucking favorite event comics are just when like these characters are all all come together. Jake, I, I know like there's been times, you know, like back when I was reading comics where I couldn't afford to get all like the comics. So it was like, okay, I'm just, I, I want to read all these characters. So I'm only going to, I'm only going to get the Avengers title. I'm not, I can't, I can't afford to get every fucking individual title this month. I got, I'm just going to get the Avengers title. That's the one title I'm going to read. Cause it's got all my characters in it. And that's, that's kind of like what these movies do. You know, it's like, they they bring all these characters together and that's like if you had that one movie that you're going to watch you're going to watch that one movie where they all get together that's what we really get excited for yeah it's really cool that now we're at a point where it's not just the event movies where it's like every single MCU thing always these days yes. brings like one or two characters from one of the past franchises and kind of brings them up current to the now right. and it's just been so much fun yeah yeah speaking of okay last thing that i just remembered that i just wished desperately would have happened in the last she gets the quinjet she takes off i would have loved for her to land and then like have a moment where we see cap with like the beard and all of that right like where we like like get to see that of like that's the start of them getting like back together because that's the shit they use throughout like up until infinity war uh, and stuff like i get I, it i, I get said, it but the next time i see mm-hmm. cap i want to see old man cap oh, turn yes. back into young cap that's what i want to see and you know who's going to see it first k because you're fucking probably going to be working on that movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no audio but the visual <laughs> k's going to see it before all of us k's yeah, going to yeah. and k won't be k won't be able to tell anybody about it uh, 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 okay. Does that drive you nuts sometimes when you see something that is just like, like, I'm sure you were one of the first people to see cap, you know, 
summon Mjolnir. Am I correct? Or can you talk about that? <laughs> can you talk about that? I don't even know if you can talk about it. It's hard. I was just saying, the trouble with NDAs is like uh, apparently we're not allowed to say where I I'm allowed to say where I work and what my job role is, but I'm not a talk allowed to talk about what I'm working on. So right, right, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm yeah, gonna I shut did. the fuck up. Is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna assume that Kay saw it, <laughs> and she couldn't tell anybody about it. Um, I want to read. Hypothetically, if you had seen it, no, leave her alone. I'm just <laughs> Hilarious. Leave her alone. Um, I want to read this. Uh, last thing I want to talk about here is: Did you guys see the Stephen Dorff news that came out this week? Oh, yeah. ridiculous! The video game yeah. story. Well, Stephen, Stephen, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stephen Dorff. He can, he can just go away. Blade Star Stephen Dorff. This came from THR uh, Blast Marvel Films. Uh, quote: Embarrassed for Black Widow star Scarlett Johansson, although he played villain Deacon Frost in 1998's. Blade, yes, a Marvel property, but distributed by New Line Cinema. The 47-year-old Dorf told the UK's Independent in a story published Monday that current superhero films are what is wrong with the business. Quote, I still hunt out the good shit because I don't want to be in Black Widow. Jake, this guy's doing fucking blue sig commercials. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, oh man, what a Hollywood star. the thing is, he's picking on Scarlett Johansson. I think she's just about to have a second kid. So basically, he's picking on a pregnant woman, which is just not not good. Uh, he goes on to say, you know? it looks like gar- he's talking about Black Widow. He said, it looks like garbage to me. It looks like a bad video game. I'm embarrassed for those people. I'm embarrassed for Scarlett. I'm sure she got paid five, seven million bucks, but I'm embarrassed for her. I don't want to be in, I don't want to be in those movies. Hey, I really, you could, you could give me seven million bucks to be embarrassed that way. Oh my God. Yeah. Isn't it more? Yeah, I've been embarrassed for way you. cheaper. Well, and then he ended the interview with cigarette ads. Those blue cigarette ads he did were fucking painful to watch. They were basically, I'm Stephen Dorff and I look cool as fuck when I smoke. They're like all in black and white and the only color you see is the blue from the blue cig. Encouraging people to smoke isn't exactly a stellar career move. So, And and the end of that interview is like also Marvel call my agents because I'm desperately in need of work. I need some money. (laughs) I, I think they should hire him for the next movie and he could be blue cig man. (laughs) <laughs> he could be blue hulk yeah i don't know it's like, man it's fine be be bitter that there haven't been any more blade movies and you haven't been asked back but you know don't take it out on other people yeah i mean i'll you know i'll give i'll give like fucking i'll give scorsese a pass on some of the shit that he says because he's he's old <laughs> but Steve, That's hilarious. Stephen, well, you know, I, what, I, I still love Scorsese. Uh, I think. Scorsese's a fucking boomer. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I think the problem is, is like they seem to forget that without big movies like this, the smaller ones can't get made. These are the ones that are supporting the independent movies on, often. You know, not as much as they should be, but yeah. the money that some of these movies make are actually supporting the ones that should get made and uh, ones that are a little bit more independent. That's true. You've got to think that like there's 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 you know some of these independent directors that go on to do like some of these Marvel projects. Like this is what's going to allow them to have like 
you know, um, the financial means and, and I guess like, you know, honestly, like some of the, the power to get some of these smaller movies made. Um, yeah. but it, the mid range budget movies are kind of gone though. And it, yeah. it, it feels like, it feels like Hollywood's in like this place right now where it's like, we've either got like low budget movies that are being made, um, like Blumhouse, what they're doing, you know, making movies from five to $10 million because, you know, horror movies are always going to make a profit for the most part, especially if you make them for five to $10 million. And then, you know, the big budget Marvel movies, Fast and Furious, Jurassic Worlds, like those are taking over the industry right now. And that's what's getting made. There's not these like mid budget movies that were getting made like back in the night, back in the nineties. Um, yeah. We are seeing we are seeing mid range budget movies being made now, but it's not being like they're not being sent to theaters. It feels like they're like landing on Netflix. So. Yeah, <laughs> they're on. Streaming I mean, in the now. end, though, these, yeah. you know, Marvel movies they make people fucking happy, and what's yeah. wrong with that? Well, here's my thing: if those mid budget movies were doing so fucking well, well, um. That's what would be being uh, that if if the mid budget movies were keeping theaters alive, that's what that's that would be the lifeline that Hollywood would be going after right now. That's not the case. Theaters, they're worried about theaters, and so the ones that are fucking making the money for studios are the big budget movies, the Jurassic Worlds, yeah. you know, and and the ones that are making profits like the Blumhouse shit. So. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know. We're just in a different place. It's not the fucking 90s anymore. I just think it's bullshit when, like, you know, they call it an emotionalist theme park ride. Like, I've seen many men and many women cry at the stuff that's presented to them in the MCU fair. And I just think that's an unfounded complaint of someone that's never taken the time to get invested in watching any of these movies before in their entire life. I mean, I I think it's bullshit to judge what other people find emotional and, you know, what gets people's heart strings pulled and everything. Yeah. And to completely discount that and call all these movies just emotionless theme park video games is it's an insult to not only the movies and the filmmakers, but to the millions of fans of these franchises. Yes. We're, we're not stupid people. No. If it was vapid nonsense, we'd have stopped watching 17 right. and a half movies. And Jake, we've been waiting our whole lives for movies like this. Like we, we were met like me and you, we grew up reading like the, the back of wizard magazine and praying that we're going to get an announcement for a Dr. Strange movie or, something and we're finally in a place where we're getting these movies and yes and they're being done right and with with care and with somebody that mm-hmm. like Kevin Feige you know leading leading this charge of like this this golden age of like fucking uh ho- comic book movies that we've waited our entire lives for this we do have emotional attachment just from like the fact that like we were reading these comic books when we were kids and now we're finally getting these movies and other people are being able to uh enjoy these stories enjoy these characters share these characters with their children now little kids are running around with you know rocket raccoon you know pajamas on and shit and it's just it's a fucking cool thing and like i feel like the people that there are people that just think like this is ruining cinema. This is ruining everything. And, and, um, fuck them. Fuck them in the end. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, these, these stories are, it's our, it's, it's a modern mythology, right? You're taking these gods and pseudo gods and putting them in these tales that teach you 
teach you lessons that are still based in humanity, right? And it and it and it's like a, there's a much bigger theme to some of this stuff. Yeah, like you said, the, the vapid thing. It's like yeah, it's not just vapid nonsense. There there is some some really powerful storytelling in the way that they're able to reach an audience in this way, but also weave this tapestry of. 10 years of films set in a universe where they're each telling their own story. That is mm-hmm. a really powerful and cool and revolutionary thing that's never happened in cinemas ever, right? And so, like, yeah, like it, it, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but to to disrespect it or take away from it just because, yeah, you're jealous or upset or it's changing something, you know, doesn't mean it's bad. It's just changing it. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, was, even back in like back Greek and Roma time when they were arguing about what Zeus did or didn't do, it was they all decided, oh, he must have done it all, and just decided to headcanon everything together. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's no different. Mm-hmm. Look at the crowd reactions from Endgame. You know, show me other movies that that had that sort of crowd reaction. I, I, I can't think yeah. of any. Uh, yeah. that had so many yeah. different people in so many different theaters yeah. reacting the exact same way. That is a huge emotional punch that you're mm-hmm. drawing in billions of people and garnering that sort of reaction. Yeah. And and to, to have some interview and, and just talk shit on all of it when it's like – and to try and play it off like uh, – just for fun, I pulled up Steven Dorff's IMDb just to get a list of what the good <laughs> shit is. <laughs> Dude, Blade is number know. one. Uh, th- th- uh, I'm thinking the only because the only two movies that came to my mind were Blade and The Gate, and Judgment Night. Well, Judgment Night and The Gate. When he was a kid, he was a fucking child. I don't even remember The Gate. Oh God, I love The Just Gate. Looking through this list, yeah, of, this is the, the good too. shit. Like what? It's like I don't recognize a single fucking one of these. Oh, there's Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star from 2011. Oh, is that and the good shit, Stephen Dorff? What was that fucking? Fuck oh god, what was like, that? He's clearly just jealous that he's not involved in this stuff, and oh, he can he irrelevant can, as an actor. He can suck it when when I fucking I I got. Uh, oh god, I watched Deuces Wild with him, and that movie has an amazing cast. And that movie was a a turd. It was a flaming turd. <laughs> Deuces Wild. Oh my god, if you ever want to watch a movie. With, with just an amazing, you know, young cast for its time that just fucking shits the bed. Oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> what a sell. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. It's fucking I terrible. I was super excited. It was late, ni- no, it was early, late 90s, early 2000s when that came out. And, uh, had the, uh, Brad Renfro's in it. Jake, this is before he took his life and everything. He was, he was in it. It had a great young cast and I was super excited. Oh, for I, I remember this movie. It was terrible. I've never seen it, but I remember the trailers. Fucking t- terrible movie. Here's the thing. It's like these movies now are pulling in and it's not the first time it's been done. If you want to, you know, talk about Richard Donner at the beginning of this episode, Richard Donner was able to pull in Marlon Brando to play, uh, Jarrell. But like ever since that, like we've seen some of these big name actors now, you know, that, 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 you know, that are like pillars in the acting community play parts in, in, in some of these Marvel movies. Glenn Close, uh, Robert Redford, um, trying to think of some others that have been like, you know, some of these, these huge. Julia Lewis Dreyfus. Uh, I wouldn't put her up there with. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Michelle yeah, that's Pfeiffer. what I'm looking for. M- Michelle Pfeiffer. Ex- excellent. Dude, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is yeah. is like is wasp. Like yeah. how incredible is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
so cool. Yeah, and it's just it's and and you're like crazy. what I will say to you, like even though their parts are obviously not like they're not the main characters of Ant Man and Wasp in that instance, but like they're also treated with a lot of respect and like really give like like they they put some meat on those roles and they really still like ha- make them feel like part of part of the universe. Well, when you've got like, like you've got like some of these uh you know like think about uh that first Thor movie and they were just like they had this unknown with Chris Hemsworth they were like let's surround this guy with like a really good solid cast Rene Russo, Anthony Hopkins, Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Let's and then all of a sudden it's like he has kind of like in his own way eclipsed them and become like his own kind of like mega star now. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy what Feige has done and the casting that he's done. So, yeah, I don't know. These movies, I think they deserve a little bit more credit. Steven Dorf just needs to shut up. I mean, in all honesty, and it's like he acts like he's the first fucking person to say this to. You know, like in the words of Yelena, you sound desperate coming here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, go away, Steven Dorf. You don't get to talk about these movies. Just like go away. Like we're good. Yeah, that's this is all I got for the episode. I want to thank everybody that was on the podcast. Did did, did any final thoughts? I, I don't want to leave anything out. If there's anything that you guys want to throw out on the table, let me know. Yeah, five I seconds. Think, I think we're good. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, hey, I want to thank everybody for joining us. Jake, as always, thank you. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. This was a great time. I'm going to thank myself. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. Self-pat. Self, self-pat. Joe, thank you, dude. I love having you on, man. Oh, thank you so much. I was so excited to get a text from you and um, and be invited to, to come on and, and cover this. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you guys. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, where can people find you, dude? Yeah, you can find me on StartCast. I do uh, long-form conversation uh, episodes. And uh, most recently, I just had Paul Hart on. And and uh, we had a good time. We talked for a, a little over three hours, rambling about all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Yeah. Um, Ashley, you don't have a podcast, but God damn it, I love having you on this one. And you know that might change soon, but for now, <laughs> for now, hey, hi. Yeah, no, uh, this was awesome. Uh, it's obviously, like, always a great time to talk. Go down rabbit holes, uh, put on our tinfoil hats, and talk about Marvel stuff. This won't be so, the last. We're yeah. gonna, I'll, I'll have you back on for something. I know there's going to be something that you're going to be like, Brian, you got to get me on this episode. <laughs> we got to do this. And yeah, I will, well, sure. I'll make it happen. I love having you on. You, you bring, you bring like this incredible energy to every fucking episode. And I love that. So, um, nice. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Uh, Kay, oh my god, uh, people can find you just fucking, uh, changing the world and, and contributing to amazing <laughs> fucking movies, apparently. Jesus Christ. I too do not yet have a podcast, so I'm working on one, but it's, uh, taking its time. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. It, it does take its time. Jake, I, it, it took us, uh, it took us literally like half a year before we put out our first episode. We put a lot of time and planning into, into, before we even started our first episode of PCL. Yeah, I think that a lot of that is what's given it its lasting power. It's it wasn't just uh two days before we hit record. Let's do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thing. 
I agree. I agree. It uh, it takes planning. It takes a little bit of time, and uh, yeah, don't don't rush things. But uh, yeah, Kay, thank you so much for joining us. I loved having you on this episode. It was great to hear. I every- love being on these episodes. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, yeah, we're gonna have you back. This is not. It's not like this is not like a uh, swan song for Kay. This is not the. The last dance for Kay. We're going to have you back on in the future. So yeah, one day I'll maybe make it to our, our main episode. Oh, would Give you me a list of things to watch and I'll do it? Would you? <laughs> oh, these are bigger than main episodes. Don't don't short sight yourself. No, the main ep- Jake. <laughs> I, I honestly, Jake. Sometimes those main episodes, it's like we can just fuck it. We can go down rabbit hole. It's hard to go down a rabbit hole on one of these episodes. Kay, would you <laughs> would you really enjoy coming on like a main episode? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it. We'll make that happen. We will make that happen. Who knows what, who knows what uncomfortable shit me and Jake might put you through on that episode. <laughs> I'm, excited. I'm excited. Enough warning. I'll do a bit of day drinking for you. <laughs> awesome. 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 Guys, we will be back next week. Got a huge episode for you next week. Got a lot of great movies and things coming out, man. Gunpowder Milkshake Jake is coming out next week on Netflix. Did you, what was your favorite 90s dance to do, Jake? Was it the Cabbage Patch or the Gunpowder Milkshake? It was definitely the Cabbage Patch. Okay. I was more of a Gunpowder Milkshake guy. <laughs> Doesn't it sound <laughs> so stupid? <laughs> All right, yeah, we're done. When when I'm making jokes like that, we're done. Guys, uh, we will see you next week with episode 389. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it take? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hate it. Race it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hate it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we 
love it, hey, let's face it, can't embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, and the uncool kids, what's this day's already been said. Leftover, sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.